Hello and welcome to episode 226 of the Random Town Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And I'm Kevin. And uh, happy Bunny Day, Animal Crossing players. From today on, the day this goes live, no more eggs from here on out at last. So that's Aww. exciting. Oh, you liked the, you liked when your fishing competition was two-thirds eggs instead of fish? I didn't mind, actually. Because I didn't I, like, really bother also, with the fishing the competition. So, yeah. I don't mind the eggs too much, but the fishing competition was a little frustrating. Or like when I go and hunt down a fish, um, like a specific fish that looks like a nice, big, like juicy fish, I guess. <laughs> I, um, you know, I was spending so much time, I'd be an egg every single time. So that was a little frustrating. But for the most part, I don't mind them falling from the sky or trees I mean, or out the, of the ground. The fish, the fish that are going to be eggs are very specific sized fish. So you the should The biggest know... ones, which I fell for every No, they're not the biggest ones. They're like the medium sized ones. Uh, so yeah. Well, then I haven't seen bigger than medium, I guess. But well, either way, uh, we're calling this episode Work From Home, not only after a good job, which is Nintendo's new uh, physics-based puzzler that we'll have impressions of later in the show, but also because we'll be checking in on Animal Crossing New, Horizon, uh, new Horizons with our island progress and discussing Are you about some... to say new her islands? Cause... I was about to say new her islands. Yeah, I was getting ahead <laughs> of myself. But we're going to be discussing that, and we're also going to be talking a little bit about some of the industry-side compl- like complications of coronavirus, I guess you could say. Like really, this episode is like the yin and yang of the virus impact, because on the one hand, there's the weird reshaping of the game world, which we'll talk about in the context of how the PS5 controller was revealed very like nonchalantly, and rumors like the Mario 3D collection, how leaks seem to be like the source of information for foreseeable future. You know, even things like Lego Mario, we got the confirmed date for that, but that's basically the only thing we know Nintendo's coming out with from June on. So um, we're going to talk about all that. But on the other hand, gaming itself is great right now. Like we've got a stacked what we're playing segment because there's not a good job, which I'll be covering in Animal Crossing, which. You know, we already started talking about, but uh, Angel and I have been revisiting Splatoon 2. and going to talk about that. I know you have impressions of games that you two have been playing that may come to Switch in the future, uh, but are currently on other systems, multi-platform. Uh, Resident Evil 3 and Persona 5 Royals? You're playing Royals, right, Kevin? Royal. Royal, no S. Oh, how dare no I? Was Royale. <laughs> but, uh, like yeah. But, yeah, so we're going to have a lot of impressions. Um, and as always, for people who want anything in particular, timestamps at roundtown.com or on uh, on the blog post for this episode, or if you're on YouTube, bottom of the video. Um, but I feel like the tell that we're in these weird socially distanced episodes is becoming that we have so much to play that we flip the script and start with what we're playing. So I feel like we might as well do that again. Just like it is kind of the dominant thing is the games are actually engaging with, not what's coming up next. Um, we already were talking about Animal Crossing, so I guess we could just jump right back in there because it is a very ever-evolving game. Uh, like last episode, we had you know our initial impressions, but a lot can change in two weeks' time in Animal Crossing. So, Andrew, how's minus the eggs, which I guess you don't mind? How's your island doing? What's what's new over there? Any master plans you're enacting? Um, everything is still going slow and steady. I've, I mean, my house. Right now, I'm just kind of focusing on points. I already finished getting every bunny day, I guess, DIY and crafted everything so that I just decorated my whole house with all the egg stuff just to get those Happy Home Academy points. Um, mm-hmm. Finished making a, another room. That's kind of creepy, but we'll leave that one as is. And finally got my Godzilla statue, so happy about that. Are you going to get multiple? Like, I know people are doing, like, whole, like, scenes playing out, but, and I imagine as a Godzilla fan, you, you're going to follow suit, right? Oh, uh, I might try to get the different colors, but yeah, that's yeah. about it. I don't know if I'll use more than one or two, but I definitely want to at least get that Transformer-looking character. And 
you doing anything with the island itself? Like you landscaping at all? Or terraforming? Oh no, or I'm not touching that until the very end. Like now, is that because you don't have a plan yet, or is that because um, I, I have a rough plan? But I mean, there's no point in even attempting because I don't have the stuff to see it through. Yeah, well, yeah, to change the terrain, I can't, I can't terraform yet. So right, it's kind I mean, of. I've been I've been working within. You know, I don't need to terraform everything, and I, I've at least been working with. Oh no, because I already know. Itself. Like, I'm gonna change the layout almost completely. Like it's, it's <laughs> like they were all garbage. Like the options I had, like none I of see. them really fit what i initially wanted i still don't know exactly what i want but i at least know neither none of the initial options were kind of what i at least envisioned at least having nice places where i could have things sectioned off right so yeah that's something uh yeah, so, sorry, so right now sorry, i'm just kind of haphazardly putting people everywhere just because i know i'm gonna move them all later right but yeah like i'm literally gonna have to move every building at some point so that, it's interesting how you're taking such a different approach to me because, like, I've sort of, like, like you seem to have, like, a master plan kind of almost. Um, but with me, I'm sort of, like, just going piecemeal. But there are two sections I start working on my island. Like, the way my island, islands divide, I have a strip of land along the top, kind of along the river, and then that expands into a bigger plot. It's kind of like a little, like, uh, it looks like Louisiana kind of. And uh, my original thinking was I could turn that whole piece of Louisiana into, like, a north orchard and have all these different trees in a row by fruit type. I have every fruit except oranges, I believe, uh, and I can harvest them very regularly. But uh, here's what I actually found kind of surprising about myself when playing this is, like, in past Animal Crossings, I do that just for the sake of getting bells and then call it a day. Like, I'd set up all the trees. I wouldn't care how they look, whatever. But in New Horizons, I'm noticing I'm actually caring more about the aesthetic of the orchard than I ever have cared in any other game. Like, now I'm actively looking at different, like, design patterns for gravel pathways and thinking about uprooting all my fruit trees, which, you know, thanks to the new fruity mechanic you can actually do. Um, but I want to lay them out, like, in a much more spread-out area along the path because I realize they look too cluttered up close. And what's even weirder is, like, I'm also starting to, like, look at dirt paths because I have this idea of, well, what if I have a double-stacked mountain in the corner? So what if I make it, like, I take all the bell trees that, you know, when there's the glowing hole and you throw the bells and you get a money tree? What if I take all Uh those and make, like, Bell Mountain and then, like, the corner of my island, you go down this path, past all these different types of trees, up around the second mountain, you need a ladder to do it, and then you get to this little, like, cove of just money trees. And these are things I never considered in a past game. I guess as long as people never grab the money from there, I guess it could look cool. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or if I grab the money, like, it you know, it comes back every few days, doesn't it? Or have they changed that in this one? I haven't noticed. No, like, once you grab the money, like, it just becomes a normal tree. It didn't used to do that in the old Animal Crossings. If it didn't, I mean, that's how I always thought they worked, so. I remember either, the original. So either it changed or it was always this way. Oh, because I remember in the GameCube one and the ds one and i might be misremembering but i could have sworn once the money was on once it was a money tree it stayed a money tree but oh, yeah no. i have noticed i have noticed in this one that i have to keep going to different trees and i thought maybe i was just misremembering which trees i plucked now i'm starting to think that's not the case no but yeah, I well i mean like them. as soon as you like bury the money as soon as it goes into the full tree you'll have the bags there if they don't have the bags then i guess you just misremembered where you buried it but once you pick the money right. no 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 they've had the bags it. but i thought i could circle back a second time but you might be right well, either way, having Bell Mountain with maybe a couple of trees, I purposely I'm, I have enough bells. I have <laughs> just put like right just now. put like it's one fine. bell in the the minimum amount of money in the hole. Yeah, exactly, and then just do it for aesthetic. But like, yeah. and the thing is, like, none of what I'm sounding, none of what I'm saying, none of what I'm saying sounds particularly like profound. Actually, or the crazy. thing that sucks is that you also can't pick where to have money trees. So 
It's just wherever you can the... if you uproot them and move them. I mean, that's been true in every Animal Crossing. You oh, go where yeah, the hole's but... blowing. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, but that's that sounds like more work yeah. than what it's worth. At least for me, I'm sure it is. But, but I, I know, I know a lot of other like people. I mean, it would look these... nice though. I mean, yeah, it's like bling. But, island, but but I think what's weirder to me is like I'm talking about these like plans as if there's a big elaborate thing. But why I. Well, I mean, that's kind well, of the point of Animal Crossing, though. I think the no, difference no, 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 is... No, 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 that's what I'm getting at, though. It is. have more time now, so... No, that is the point, but I used to not play it this way. I never cared about this side of the experience before. I'd customize my house. Uh, I'd talk to villagers, but i basically stopped there. Like, what I realized is that the change in my behavior is due to the fact that New Horizons does, for better or worse, seem to de-emphasize how you interact with your villagers a lot compared to, t- to the past games. Which is something I feared originally. I don't know if you guys remember after the Animal Crossing Direct a month or so back. I was saying, oh no, why are they not talking about villagers? Uh, and sure, like they can sing now together and the multi-villager interaction seem a little more fleshed out than in past games. But like stuff like uh, the old errands that used to do for them daily, every villager would have an errand for you. That's now what Nook Miles do in terms of getting you to try different parts of the game. And there's you know, a good chunk of the start of the game where it's just you and two other villagers before other people move in. But what's interesting is that I found myself just leaning on aspects of the series I didn't care about instead of just being like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, keep doing what I like to do. And if it's less of that, I'll just wait till it's more of that. Like I did the bare minimum required as a mayor in New Leaf. Yet here I am designing orchards and hiking trails and all this other stuff. And I think like I was saying last episode, I think it's kind of a testament to the tweak structure of the series that they're able to ease me into this whole other side of the game that like you, Angel, as you were saying, a lot of people already played. I never played that side of it. I never really cared. It's kind of like I'm doing ground level SimCity now, which I never really thought of Animal Crossing as before. Um, it basically is, but... Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I did used to love SimCity 2000 as a kid, so there's some of that in me. But I think, like, a large part of this refocus and, like, how well it's worked is how not so much, not just that, like, uh, there's nothing else to do because Nintendo's pivoted the the um, priorities, but also like I've been interacting with friends using the game in part because we're all stuck at home. So I've been going to other people's islands, seeing what they're doing, having them gift me things for mine, be it fruit or tools like the ladder or what have you. Wow, and you have them gift you stuff? What a monster. No, no, no. They do on their own. Or I just steal fruit. But the ladder was gifted to me. Not even, it just showed up. They mailed it to me. But anyway, you know, they have made me want to step up my island so in a weird way, I guess the game is as social as before, but I'm replacing the, like, pseudo in-game interactions with real people now. And that's making me play the game differently because that's what those people do versus what the animals want me to do, which is meaningless little tasks. So it's just mean, kind of a weird, like, I never thought Animal Crossing is, from this angle. So. The Animal Crossing definitely is the fastest I've ever... Or I guess the one where I've had definitely the most social interaction with people. Like, before mm-hmm, it would pretty mm-hmm. much just be me and my brother and one other friend. But yeah. yeah, now like it almost feels like there's too many people I could play with. That is... That's the that's the cultural moment it's having. Like that we talked about it a little last episode, but like <laughs> it's only grown since then. I mean, it's the most. Like, Twitter okay. said the other day it's the most talked about game on Twitter in 2020. Period. Wow. Jimmy Kimmel made not a joke about Animal Crossing, but just shouted out Tom Nook and Timmy in one of his monologues last week. Halsey, who's like one of the biggest singers in the world right now, was tweeting her fans asking if she needs to check the game out and why. Like, it's one of the biggest things on Twitch right now is kind of a foil to people playing shooters. It's crazy. It's selling gangbusters. It's like 3 million copies sold in Japan, I think, which means it has sold more physical copies in Japan in under a month than Mario Kart 8 has sold total on the Switch in Japan in physical sales. Yeah. 
Like it's huge right now. So yeah, to I your can point, imagine like, what it did digitally like, since if you bought it physically. Oh yeah, most people there's something wrong with you, but well, we know there's something wrong with me already. So this just confirms it further. But um, but yeah, to your point that there's almost too many people to play with. It's everywhere. You literally can't escape it. And Man, um, the fact you have to remove that game to play Splatoon when we play it just like makes me sick. But you know, you already you play the cards yourself. I mean it's it's no big deal. You know what's funny though, actually, your point about there's too many people. Did you there's a story I saw on the Verge the other day. Um, because of that a is, friend of ours lost his copy. But yeah. Yeah, but I'm not losing my copies because I have a be- I have a beautiful leather holder for all the cartridges that um they all slot into, so Put them right in are you actually slotting them in, or are you just like throwing them in there like you used to? I'm slotting them in. They each have a designated slot, and if I take a game out, that slot stays empty till that game goes back in. So I make sure I have an inventory of where they all are, oh. which is either in the switch or in the case. Gotcha. It's basically a physical version of, um, you know, the the digital menu of the switch. <laughs> yeah, which automatically makes it terrible. But yeah, yeah, not not disagreeing with you. But uh, to your point about too many people, like. There's a story I saw on The Verge the other day where um, people are forming hour-long virtual queues to go to people's towns to get turnips. And this article is by an author who um, – she opened her gates publicly on Twitter, and then people just lined up and bought turnips. And what was kind of interesting is how apparently nice they were. Like you would think, okay, you go on the internet, there's trolls and everything, and people are going to trash your town or steal your stuff. But they like left her thank you notes on her bulletin board. They put free items and furniture on the ground for her. Someone dropped a bag of 99,000 bells. Nobody trashed her town. They kind of acted like they would in real life, which is just like, for the most part, politeness and, and friendliness, which is kind of unheard of in gaming. So yeah, like the Animal Crossing, the, the sheer population shift into the game seems to actually be kind of changing how people play games even because they're kind of simulating well, real life. Maybe just more. with Animal Crossing, but I find that... Oh yeah, most... with just Animal Crossing. I mean, also kind of in general, from the very, very few games that Nintendo lets you do voice chat on on the Switch, Yeah. Um, at least every one I've done that with has had very kind just players in general. I feel like the Nintendo player base is in general just a lot kinder. Or just, yeah. uh, Maybe because it's younger? I don't know. No, but... kids are the worst. What are you talking about? They're the ones that, like do the most like i feel like there's like an inflection maybe i don't know kids on nintendo are probably fine but i guess kids on an xbox i mean yeah yeah those xbox kids uh and those playstation kids PlayStation kids are somewhere between i would imagine but (laughs) no but um i mean i know like some kind of like what you were saying with people forming hour-long queues like i know some other people were pretty much doing that when they know they have like oh i have like four like 500 like bell 500 bell like prices for turnips and people right. and they'll ask for like a donation box or something so and people actually leave donations yeah so like you have to you know you have to pay or you know something like that i don't yeah. i haven't seen yet and i kind of curious if it's already happened if someone's actually put out like a paypal where they actually charge real money to come to their island just to get oh good god the coveted like 800 <laughs> payout per turnip but I haven't seen yeah. that, but I have seen eBay listings for in-game resources that are hard to find. Oh, my god! Someone's gosh. trying to sell gold for $14. The nuggets? Wow. Yeah, for $14. Five of them. Hey, man, times are tough right now. <laughs> you got you, you to gotta hustle any way you can. Pretty much. You know, one, one uh, kind of interesting thing that I'm surprised people aren't doing, that I feel like if they were to do 
physical item sales they could totally capitalize on is like clothing in Animal Crossing is such a big thing now. Like, I mean, Angel, you've been you've been making some streetwear stuff, haven't you? I did. I did make. I think I talked about it in, two weeks ago. Did I? I don't know. I don't remember. But but you yeah, made like I made a baby a shirt, and, made yeah. some Supreme stuff. The stuff that some of my friends had and that I had just for fun and and what's what's kind of crazy is like that I could display it now at my store so now when my friend comes over he can grab the babe shirt or whatever and like there's a whole like world of this like I mean some brands like 100 Thieves which granted are also an esport brand as much as a clothing brand so that makes sense but they put their entire clothing line in the game you can go to their website and get every single item they've ever released and then I also found there's this Instagram account called uh, Animal Crossing Fashion Archive that's its handle all one word and all it does is highlight clothes and houses of different players with codes to download what they made. And we're talking like Gucci stuff, Chanel stuff, Supreme stuff, more hype beasty things like Raph Simmons. Like they would recreate fashion show pieces from specific seasons in years past and Jeez. then and then actually just put them in the game. And this site uh, input put together a great piece about all of this going on. But it instantly made, you, made me think of you, Angel, because you were like doing this day one with your uh, hat and your shirt and all that. But, um, yeah, it's like a whole subculture inside Animal Crossing. It's also a point where, like, it'd be cool if the game itself even accommodated. Because you're saying, you know, if friends come to your island and visit, they can go to your shop and get the clothes. But, like, if people are following an Instagram account of Animal Crossing fashion, which, to be clear, has this according to 21,000 followers, so there is an audience. Like, a neat feature in the future would be if you could actually, like, subscribe to a follower, like the same, or a, a designer, like the same way you have, like, your best friend list, if you had, like, a follow list of designers, and then they could, like, mail out a daily or weekly letter that has a new pattern for you or something. Like, that would be kind of cool. I realize that's super complicated and Nintendo's never going to do it, but, like, conceptually, they should capitalize on this. It's I mean, at the very least, chunk. I mean, they have that, I mean, they have that giant tablet in the Able Sister store. They could, even if they don't send you the designs, just like mm-hmm. Mario Maker or anything else, like you could just follow people, and at least maybe when they have any design, you can just get alerted, or you know, or at least just like see it as a feed, like oh they made this, or put it on the phone, and then you yeah. can save it as a QR code, and then download to the game later. Even though it only to do one at a time, which is the most which annoying thing ever. <laughs> yeah, but, no, it, I, I, yeah, I think there's a huge opportunity here because I mean, even I was doing stuff like I granted I used one of those online tools to help me do it, but I had to tweak it significantly beyond that to make it look good. But um, I was scanning in, like, Murakami art into the game, and I have, like, three cool, like, Takashi Murakami paintings in my house that I'm like, this is so cool. But, like, someone on Twitter is like, do you have the codes for it? I don't think I do because I scanned them but didn't save them. Um, But, like, people want this stuff. Like, even someone hunted me down out of nowhere. So, like, it seems like a ripe opportunity for Nintendo to, you know, do as DLC down the line or something. Yeah, they could definitely streamline the process, but... Yeah, because, like, when you, when you boil it all down, like, w- all that's really happening here is Animal Crossing's become, like, the real world except cartoonier and friendlier and fuzzier. But, like, the same social reasons that people want to look a certain way or own certain things or represent their city or island, in this case, in certain ways, like, they're now just doing it in Animal Crossing. I mean, going to someone's island, in a way, it's kind of like, it's like when people say you can learn a lot about someone's personality based on the music they have on their, I guess, at the time, MP3 player, because that's when I heard the saying. Yeah, it's kind of like through. You see, like oh, all the different genres they listen to. That's kind of what visiting their island feels like. Just the way whether they actually bother to, you know, organize some things or just leave everything as is or just leave junk around. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's go ahead. Oh no, yeah, but I mean, it's just interesting, just how yeah, very I mean, personal this game is. 
very much. And I feel like that's why partly like what we lost in villager interactions, which I was worried about going into this, we perhaps gained in this whole new like culture that sprung up around the actual other people playing the game versus the little frog who wants you to catch him a butterfly or whatever. So in a way it's actually better now than it was, but it definitely, that is something I noticed the more I played, you know, going on, what are we three weeks, four weeks in now? And I am starting, I think we're three and I am starting to notice like, okay, so the villagers are kind of stepped back, but all this other stuff is really pushed forward. And it's mostly the, community around animal crossing that's been pushing it i will say though kind of cool i mean i agree with that i just um haven't seen it on my end because my villagers have been asking me for a lot of errands and there's been like a lot of random interaction with them how come i'm not getting errands it's it used like, to be every day every villager that's what i was gonna say I, like either every day there's always one villager that tells me to either fish for a very specific fish or catch them a specific bug or there's always like a book randomly dropped somewhere and i have to find the villager that lost it I've had a few of the fine lost things, but not consistently. But I don't know. I'm so sure you'll get. To... I'm sure it'll pop up a lot more with me once you get to your ten villagers. But maybe. But even then, it was such a key part of like the early part of the game, in the old games, because that's how you'd learn about like how to fish and everything. So like, get me a fish, get me yeah. this fruit, get me this, get me that. So that's kind of missing, still, I guess. But that to your point that eventually shows up. That also got me thinking about other stuff. Because there's actually a lot that's MIA in New Horizons. And it's something you don't notice right away. Like, yet again, I think it's... I don't know. I, I, as soon as like, someone came to visit, like, the first thing I thought was, like, oh, yeah. I can't believe we don't have, like, a Tortimer Island equivalent. Yes, and we don't have Captain as a result. Man. And, like, I, I started <laughs> putting a list together. Because like, we do have some stuff. Like, um, I mean, stuff, I mean we'll get some to stuff character- transferred over. Like, I do kind of miss having, like, a designated Chuckle Hut or that comedian dude, but now I guess all the villagers just teach you the emotions. Oh, Dr. Shrunk? Yeah. Yeah, he would have been nice to see. Like, that's the thing. is, So many things are replaced, like, functionality replaced um, characters. characters. <laughs> so Shrunk is gone. Um, there's no separate post office, obviously, so Pelly and Phyllis are gone. I like um, that. I like the, Phyllis had, like, the, the moody in yeah. the afternoon and the friendly one in the morning. I only ever And there was, like, a left triangle, with too, with, like, the... <laughs> With the mailman bird, I remember, like, if you talk to him at the coffee shop, he'll tell you how he likes Phyllis, like, the mean one, mm-hmm. but the friendly one is the one that likes him. Speaking of, the coffee shop is MIA, as is yeah, Brewster. No Brewster yeah. um, there's no need to have what the hell recent... Is pigeon milk? What? What is pigeon milk? It's milk from a pigeon. It's is it supposed name. to be poop? Because it's white? And oh, I have no it. idea. I would guess, Is he, but is he putting I, poop I'm... in your coffee? And it makes it better. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm taking it at face value that it's milk from pigeons. I don't Just know milk. if it's better or worse. I I mean at least milk is like a nutrient rich thing that's safe to consume. I threw those the descriptions they gave for but the pigeons coffee. aren't mammals. <laughs> I mean, listen, that part I haven't figured out yet. <laughs> but <laughs> I'd rather think it's milk than not. Um, that's a good question. Um, but yeah, what, um, I was rattling off other stuff that got replaced. Um, where was, what was I saying? Oh yeah, yeah, because we were talking about functionality disappearing. Reese and Cyrus, aren't they the um, the DIY reupholster guys in New Leaf? DIY yeah. is now just an app, so that's gone. You don't need to do your hair anymore, so that means that the poodle, whatever her name was, is gone. Oh, um, I do know her name. It was a pun. Was it Shampoodle? <laughs> it was Shampoodle or Harriet or Probably hair Harriet. something. Yeah. Um, but like she's the, she's gone. I'm pretty sure we'll still get the kicks, dude. The skunk with the shoe store. He could easily live in the in the yeah. Um, he could live in the shop, the clothes shop. 
And like some are still there. Sahara has already shown up to my my town with mystery carpets. We had the fishing tournament uh, today. There's I no red recording. though. Huh? Red is missing as of right now. Yeah, his entire is it real? Is it counterfeit? Art collecting mechanics just gone, which is odd. Katrina and her fortunes I haven't seen yet, at least. Um, I guess there's, no there's a lot of like to bring back the dream world since it's so easy to visit people now. Yeah, I mean they don't necessarily need yeah, but. They could still have her just do the simpler fortune. She used to, like, predict bells and stuff for you. And oh, no, I'm at the, the sleeping one. Oh. The taper yes. that would let you... Actually, that one was kind of cool because I remember you could either visit someone's island without them even being available or not. They just have to make that option available. And you could literally go everywhere. And you could take whatever you want, but it doesn't affect their island. You just take it with you. Or if you have no friends to go to, then you could just go to a random island. But they're called Dreams. So it's kind of ways of just exploring other people's islands without actually it's, it's very doing the much, footwork of finding them. So maybe that could be back, or maybe not. It's very know. much like our idea with the clothing and finding a way to browse that. Like, that's all it was, was a way to see other people's creations in a Mario Maker sort of way. So yeah, if they could do that, that would that would be cool. But also, like, I was thinking about um, last night, like, I was trying to make a list of what I felt like was missing, and I realized we don't have ordinances anymore. In New Leaf, ordinances, ordinances would let you shift um, some of the rules of the town. So if you wanted your town to be a late-night town, you could shift oh, all the right. stores to open later. So night owls like myself could you know, play and still be able to do things. Uh, and they kind of replaced it. Like there's a drop box at the store that you can still like drop things off that you want to sell, and they'll just send the bells to you. But it's not quite the same as ordinances. And if I remember correctly, there are other ordinances. Well, mainly because you, you lose like 15% from what you put in there. So Oh, never mind that then. There's like um, a restocking fee, as they call it. That's so. right. Then yeah, that's then they should bring back ordinances or like this is one I haven't. I don't really know what for purpose Daisy they May serve, but... before twelve on Sunday. What? It's like the game isn't going to make me wake up before twelve on Sunday oh, just to yeah. get turnips. Yeah, just to get some turnips from Daisy. Yeah, but like that's another one. Like in New Leaf, you could time shift it and it'd be fine. Or um, gyroids. Why are there? Lloyd makes a cameo, but their gyroid collection collecting is completely missing. They used to have so many. Kind of miss having a bunch of them, and it just making random noises. Yeah, like it's weird what's missing. Like, am I forgetting anything? Those are kind of the highlights I thought of. But it's kind of weird how much is like not there now that we're actually getting into like the meat of the game. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, the only glimmer of hope that I could think of um, is that could come as DLC or as. That's what I'm guessing. They're just gonna keep it basic, and that way they don't overwhelm anyone. Maybe get more people like you that. Might have, get, might have gotten too scared off if they literally had... Okay, I'm not, I'm not like a, a newborn kitten. Like, it's not go like, ah, and just run away. <laughs> <laughs> but I get your point, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think, like, it's probably going to be DLC. I mean, apparently, people are already starting to see dialogue hints that there's stuff coming. Uh, one character referenced Cap'n. Uh, Isabel told someone they need more shops in their town to increase their rating, but they already were at the max number of shops. So what is she talking about? So it might just be a matter of when versus if. And... I guess to your point, Angel, yeah, it is, I guess it does help ease people in. It's basically what they do with Splatoon and ARMS. You know, they get the game out sooner and make, um, at least in Animal Crossing's case, they make sure some of it from the get-go is fully fled, is full-fledged, fully done, like the customization stuff. And then alongside holidays, I guess they can just trickle out more unique characters, more unique shops, ensures longer engagement with the game since it prevents someone from basically speedrunning or whatever Animal Crossing's equivalent of speedrunning is all the way to the end and opening everything. Um... But it is, I mean, on some level, kind of a bummer that for people who do invest a lot of time, they're now just getting stuck in a holding power until Nintendo deems everyone collectively ready for 
kicks to show up or for you know the katrina to give a fortune or for brewster to make you coffee when before it used to be kind of like at the pace yeah, of the player but on one hand yeah people a lot of people have a lot of extra time so all they're doing is playing yeah but at the same time i feel like a lot of people are essentially speed running to the game even if they're not time traveling they're like just going out of their way to make millions and millions of bells and i feel like they're just going to reach that quote-unquote end faster and almost make the game i don't know i guess obsolete sooner yeah at least this kind of strings it out but i bet you when nintendo planned this they did not anticipate people putting in quite this much time because they have this much time at home like they probably thought people would be hitting like the the wall like a week or two later than they probably were i mean there's always of course could be crazy people that do it but i'm talking even more casual players are like starting to hit the wall yeah so it'd be it'd be interesting to see how they do it but um you know, since I did evoke Splatoon a minute ago, and I know you mentioned it earlier too, Angel, now I guess is as good a time as any to jump into the other game the two of us have both actually together been playing, which is a bit older than Animal Crossing, and that is Splatoon 2. Jason so you finally yeah. made rank. For many, many years since Splatoon came out, I've been wanting to do squad battles, which basically means you have a group of friends, and it has to be friends form a group of four can't be anything less or you could do a group of two but we wanted four this is just, for so, we could, just so we could play together people. online yeah but well we together online that, we... in a guaranteed team specify yeah. that part because yeah. we could play four people in normal but then it'll just be turf war for the most part and we may or may not even be in the same team which sucks but because of this like yeah we could finally play together which is great took way longer than it needed to but you know we're here and it's been fun. It's been fun rediscovering Splatoon. Just like relearning a lot of the mechanics. It really has felt like I've been relearning everything. Just relearning strategies, relearning powers. Mm -hmm. Kind of exciting. Just going, to, even going to the store and just looking at like, oh, this looks cool. I'll make my inkling wear that or blah blah. But then also having to rediscover the chunks, how those work to make your gear perform better. And I don't know it's it's cool. And we're as of now we're trying to just do this weekly so that we can finally climb the ladder and you know play some salmon run when we get too crushed but which was another thing that separately had to be unlocked too so that was that was funny so who are the other two that you guys are playing with eric and nigel eric and nigel and what are you guys using for voice chat because i'm assuming you're not using the nintendo oh no nintendo because app. that thing we... like in between menus it always boots you out for some reason even though it's on the phone it's like you're talking, so it'll just it, interrupt you mid-sentence, and then as soon as the game starts, you'll be able to talk again. So boots out is kind of the wrong word. That implies it, kicks, it disconnects you. All it does is when the game loads, the voice chat has to load. I don't know why. It's not a separate device Yeah, because it does that in Smash Brothers 2 and Mario Kart, and it's like <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. jarring. It's something with how Nintendo synced up the voice chat. Because honestly, if it was – you could argue – I know other guys don't do this, but you could argue that – Oh, we use Discord just to answer your question. Oh, yeah, it's Discord. The same thing we use to remotely record this. But – um. You could argue that, like, PlayStation and Xbox guys don't have to worry about this, but Nintendo could get away with, hey, when we load the battle, when we load the next thing, we need to load everything into your game. So the voice chat will pause because you're in the game that's loading. But when it's on a separate device, there's zero reason, rhyme or reason, for why the voice has to be interrupted because it's loading something on the console if the voice chat's all server-side, which it is. So it just doesn't oh, – I, okay. I don't get it. I, I see. I see. 
Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. So, like, literally, we if we did in the in the app, it'd be like, we're talking, we're talking. Okay, everyone got their weapon load out. Okay, cool, here we go. And then we cut off. And then the battle will start, and it would just be like, if I'm all right, all right, so what's everyone's strategy? But, like, you missed the, the chunk of the rest of the word go, and whatever I set up to, what's the strategy? So we yeah, used Discord. that's – oh, man. Yeah, it's the only time I've ever used it is more for the novelty of, like – Let's just see who's actually using it. Like usually, I'll wait to say like, "Oh, someone's actually in chat in Smash Brothers or Mario Kart," and then I'll just jump in. But there is one very nice thing about uh, the Switch Online app that they now do, and it took them a while to do this. You get a push notification if you're in any sort of lobby that supports voice supports voice chat. So like, obviously, we're using Discord, so we're fine. But if we were hopping online and we didn't have Discord or something, all you need to do is tap a thing on your phone, and it goes straight into that voice chat for that lobby with those people, which is a big but minor step in the right direction from Nintendo. Because it used to be you had to like go turn on the app and go to the game choice and then go to the thing, but now it's like pretty seamless. You still need the second device, but it at least is as simple as they can make it to get in on that device. Yeah. But but that said too, Angel's point about relearning Splatoon, yeah, it's um it's been kind of fun. Like I forgot how much they were able i mean obviously we've watched platoon we went to tournaments and stuff but like actually playing through it i forgot how much they were able to vary what they can do with the same core mechanic into so many different modes and have them all be pretty cool some are better than others i have my personal preferences but like i don't know if some are better than hmm. others but they are definitely very different that someone could easily like really dislike one and love another like they all they're all you have to really, oh yeah i'm really opinion cut. yeah yeah, because I think they're all pretty balanced and that's, like, how different they are and what they try to accomplish. Like, Clan Blitz, mm-hmm. because it's the newest one and it kind of takes a while to wrap your head around, I feel like by the last hour, I think I was finally starting to, like, really enjoy it. But initially, it was like, oh, like this, I, I don't like this mode. Like, I didn't even really get, like, what are the initial things to do? Because usually you want to kill people, but, well, I guess, black inklings, yeah. but... And it helped that we started building strategies around each mode. So like Clam Blitz, we learned the key thing is you need one or two you need like one person to just play goalie, but then the other people can run around. And once we kinda of got that system in place, it started to make more sense. Yeah. But uh it, yeah, it's just really cool that like and yeah, when I said better or worse, I meant personal preference, not the modes are literally better better or worse, it's actually pretty balanced, like you said. But it is kinda of interesting because it's like if you look at Mario Kart and they have Mario Kart, and then they have the battle mode. And then they kind of every so often do a mission mode. And that's kind of it. They take the core idea of you're driving a cart, you drive it towards a finish line, you drive it towards an opponent, you drive it towards an opponent or a finish line with a mission attached, and that's kind of it. Like, they basically like, here's a core mechanic, we expand it one way. Somehow they were able to do that with Splatoon five or six different ways. I mean, there's the four multiplayer modes. There's Salmon Run as a separate, like, horde mode, and then there's um, the single player. That's kind of, that's pretty impressive. It might be the most like um, diverse Nintendo game in terms of one mechanic used in so many different ways. Certainly on the multiplayer yeah. front, it's probably one of the most diverse. And I don't think it gets enough credit for that, honestly. Which is why I feel that as annoying as the rotation could be, I feel it's definitely important to have there just because because of how like divisive some of the modes can be. I could definitely see like let's say like the majority of players just doing splat zones and tower control, and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd be stuck playing alone or just, like, waiting. I mean, even we, like, still have to wait a while to find some opponents, sometimes even facing the same opponents because they just the didn't have enough. people over and over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the other thing is I kind of wish we had this epiphany of we should get back into Splatoon sooner, collectively, because... Well, um, we did because when we created the chat, that's when we initially had it. That was, that was when ago. the game came out. 
Yeah, but then we were all waiting for me. Yeah, basically Fine. I you. Wish I had the epiphany sooner of um, getting more into Splatoon because, like, yeah, it's there's a lot there now that they've like fully built it out and it's like a fully featured product and they've kind of done the full closure with Splatfest and everything. So all the levels, all the weapons, all the everything are like locked in minus balance tweaks. Um, yeah, it's a really well versed product with a lot of variety and i feel like i yeah. was just like sleeping on it this whole time and i suspect a lot of people were and still are because i feel like this game every match just like smash brothers feels like every game feels unique mm-hmm. like it feels like even if you're playing on the same map against the same team i feel like every game could just feel like a completely different one but when you're playing arms i feel even if you're playing against the same person over and over again like I don't really have that same problem in Smash Brothers, but in ARMS, it just gets repetitive way too fast. So even if... I don't know, Splatoon just has way more variety. It's just... Yeah. Way more... I, I imagine that's There's way more why, ways to tackle the same thing. The same thing. I imagine that's why you see Splatoon really getting pushed as an eSport by Nintendo. In ARMS, they tried a little and then kind of backed off. Yeah. Because I think to like the parallel of Smash and Splatoon that you made is pretty much spot on. And even mm-hmm. if it's not a spawn, even if Splatoon matches do become a little more predictable, there's so many different types of match that you basically have five times the amount of content before it gets predictable. Exactly. So yeah. it's – it's yeah. So basically I guess what we're saying is, one, everyone should check out Splatoon because we need more opponents. They also need to be ranked poorly like we are right now so we can actually fight them. And two, you should check it out because it's actually a very well-versed product. Well-rounded is maybe what I'm actually trying to say, not well-versed. But, I mean, Kevin, have you played – were you ever into Splatoon? Did you get Splatoon 1 or 2? No. Oh well, like I never had a Wii U, so I never played. Mm-hmm. Uh, never played the original Splatoon, and then I don't believe that I no, I've had a Switch since launch. So, but no, I never never picked up a Splatoon two either. the The it's closest that I, the closest that I got to like picking it up was when they announced uh, the Octo expansion. Oh yeah, yeah. Only because the song that they used in that trailer was so dope that I was like, <laughs> oh man, that. That song itself gets me hyped. There is uh, that's the other thing I noticed when playing is there. No, I'm actually kind of tempted to get it just to. I just been you know got the the itch to play more single player content, but since I already had 100 percent of it, I would have to get the auto expansion to get something new, which doesn't sound like a bad thing because new is always good. And I guess I get more gear, which I guess is cool. But and you could play as an octoling once you beat it. Yeah, I guess I could. <laughs> I don't care about that part. But no, the music, um, yeah, like, I forgot, like, I know some of the songs, like, the more, the ones they use most in the promotional material and whatnot, but, like, there's some really good music when we were doing those battles. Like, uh, so basically me, Angel, and the other two guys, we do it every Wednesday evening now, like, Wednesday night for a few hours. And, yeah, like, there's a lot of songs that I was like, oh, this is really good. And there's a lot of songs that are, like, perfectly suited for the intensity of some of those matches. It's, it's really good, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's on discount right now. I might be wrong, but Nintendo's doing a big spring sale for digital downloads of older games since they don't have any new ones at the moment besides Animal Crossing. Um, and I want to say Splatoon might only be forty bucks or fifty bucks. So well, now would be a good luckily time. Luckily for in. you, actually, it just so happens to be on Nintendo's Game Store website. Well, would you like to do the honors? I think they might be doing it through their retail partners. This one. Wait, what? I think they might be doing it through their retail partners, as in not directly Nintendo. Oh, because I don't know why you wouldn't want to get this. No, 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 Not no. I'm digital. saying – No, you can get digital. I'm saying like I think Amazon or Best Buy are selling the digital codes at a discount. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm oh, checking. I forgot there was a starter edition. Yep, it comes Weird. with a player's guide. 
Yes, um, it looks like right now Target is selling Splatoon for fifty dollars. Only Target, and it might be physical. Well, so you maybe get not the bundle with a DLC for eighty bucks, which and Amazon actually that's not a bad deal. And Amazon too has it going for fifty. Yeah, that's just sixty bucks and twenty bucks, which is the normal price. Oh yeah, here we go. Digital code on Amazon, forty dollars. Oh wow! How there much? How much? Forty. Four zero. Forty. Oh, forty dollars. Okay. Yeah, but if you if you if for if anyone somehow was convinced now's the time to buy Splatoon based on what Angel and I were saying, now's the time. Literally that's twenty dollars off. So, yeah. So I feel like now, like the current situation we're in, where we're at home a lot more in game. Like I have a feeling I'm gonna be going back and revisiting a lot of my older games. Just. Why not? Like you know, I might miss some stuff that I enjoy. You know, I like. Oh, you clearly, you definitely missed a lot of stuff. Too. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's my point. So we'll see what other ones. There's I, no might I dig of. <laughs> what? There's, no, I'm just saying there's no might of. Uh, yeah, I was I was being nice to myself, but you just came in with the cold hard truth. But um, besides, I envy like, you because you have so many awesome experiences to get for the first time to explore. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, you've been having some awesome experiences, the two of you, with some other games that aren't currently on Switch. But maybe coming to Switch based on leaks and not leaks, but like data mined information and surveys and whatnot. So, Kevin, since you unfortunately haven't really played the games we talked about that uh, thus far, would you like to go first with what you've been playing and how you've been playing it, which is actually quite interesting? Uh, yeah, sure. I've been playing. So, hmm, I don't know. How should I start this? So, two juggernauts <laughs> of JRPGs have recently released. Uh, right. We'll start. I just want to talk about uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, started playing it last night. I, I played the, the first two chapters, and I'm I'm really liking it so far. The battles, the the combat is really really fun. I didn't like Final Fantasy XV's combat, and that's why I dropped off that game so quick. But so far, the game's really really pretty. They're expanding some of the side characters. Uh, in reality the section where they start you off on or this this entire remake is only contains like the first three hours of Final Fantasy 7 from like OG Final Fantasy 7 so right it's pretty Wait, how long I mean, was the OG game the OG I mean like if you're just doing the the, the standard game uh, like minimal side questing and stuff like that you could probably beat it in like 60 hours wait uh, did you say 60 or 6 60 oh so they've, they've only touched on three hours of, of the game. <laughs> what happened? And, and they've only touched on like three hours the of first, those 60? the first three. Yeah, the first. So three literally hours. a twentieth of the game. Yeah. Oh wow! And they flushed it down to a full fledged game. And they and they fledged it. Uh, I don't I don't know if I would call this a full fledged game yet, but I mean, yeah. So it just touches the Midgard section, which is literally the first three hours of the game. But it's interesting. They're they're fledging at they're fledging. They're fleshing out a lot of the uh, side characters. Um, so at the beginning of the game, uh, you're you're with like an eco terrorist squad, uh, and there's three characters: uh, Wedge, Briggs, and uh, no, Biggs, Biggs, and Jesse. And they're just like throwaway characters, but like they're actually fleshed out here. They have a lot of interesting dialogue and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my only gripe right now is the camera. I, I man the camera is so poor and hopefully they they get around to fixing that uh but that's all i'm going to be talking about that game so far the other game i've been playing persona 4 persona 4 persona 5 royal and if you've listened to me on this podcast you guys know how much i love <laughs> persona 5 
uh, it's sort of the definitive edition of Persona 5. Persona 5 came out in 2017. So this is the gold? Sounds roughly right. Yes, this is the this is the equivalent of Persona Four Golden. Uh, oh. It's 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 got a a lot of nice uh, quality of life changes. It makes it's made the uh, random the randomly generated dungeons a little bit more interesting because now you can make it so that uh, you can earn more XP or more rewards whenever you fight enemies in there. Uh, I don't really want to talk about too much about this, but about the game, considering that I would have to go through all of Persona 5, explaining that, <laughs> and then explaining yeah. the changes that Royals made. But it's made it easier to do a lot of the stuff that you were... that you were Like, the one running joke about Persona 5 was Morgana, the, uh, the talking cat in the game, uh, never let you do anything after... Uh, in the evening so like as soon as you go home you're stuck to your home setting where you can study or watch a movie or stuff like that you and can you're study? never yeah oh that that's one that's one of the uh the parts about persona uh you have these five social stats knowledge charm kindness uh your guts and your proficiency and the more you study the higher your uh your knowledge goes up huh. um but and Angel, we we shouldn't knock a game that lets people study. We've been playing a game that is basically oh no, I thought that was an interesting life. mechanic. Like <laughs> oh, I'm just okay, kind of wondered how study. it worked. Like <laughs> if you quote unquote studied, does it increase like some gauge or some little meter? And I don't know. Yeah, and then and then when uh, testing week comes around, uh, you'll answer questions that that uh, you've been given throughout your your semester, but huh. then like the essay portion. Uh, will be filled in automatically and depending on how high your knowledge is will reflect reflect uh your final score i'm i'm telling you you got to play this game um Sounds cool but, as, but aside from that uh i've been using remote play to play this game and i've been using my phone i have an iphone 10 and Work is really, really slow right now. So what I've been doing is, yeah. So work is incredibly slow right now. So what I've been doing is just playing Persona Five through remote play at work. work on your has, phone. On my phone, and it's a every full now and PlayStation then, game, but it's on your phone. Yeah, and I've been using uh, the Bluetooth with the DualShock Four to also use that, and it's been an interesting experience so far. So. It's touch and go here when I, like, let's say when I'm ready for bed and I don't want to be sitting down at in front of my, uh, in front of my TV or in front of my monitor. I just want to lay down in bed, play a little bit of Persona. That experience been has been a little, a little uh, touch and go because there are two ways of connecting to the PlayStation over the internet, so like Wi-Fi, or directly mm-hmm. to the PlayStation. Sometimes my phone will just connect to the PlayStation and i'm i'm literally right next to the playstation and i'll get stuttering i'll get bad frames that kind of stuff at work mm. uh when i'm connecting through the internet it takes maybe about a minute to connect but after that it's silky smooth which is crazy cuz work is miles from your playstation and your room is what feet 
Yeah. Inches. <laughs> Centimeters. Yeah. And um, uh, it's perfect for a game like Persona because it's not, it's not, uh, it's not like a Twitch based shooter because there is some input lag. There's maybe about like, you definitely feel it. Right. You, you definitely feel the lag, but for a game that's, that's, uh, I don't want to say slow, but for a game that is so menu based, it's, it's perfect. I, there, there's a couple of mini games that are time timing based, but as long as you adjust for that that like split millisecond of lag, the mini games like they're not a hassle. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been playing for that's, these last couple. That the concept of remote play is so interesting to me because like the um, a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago now, when you gave the impressions of. Persona 5 Scramble, you know, the Dynasty Warriors spinoff of sorts of Persona. Um, There's a survey we were talking about that Atlas was considering putting some of the old Personas, including 5, on Switch and a lot of people's feedback. And it was like the number one um, most responded to survey they've ever had. And then now that you're talking about playing it on remote play, Atlas again has a survey out, this time asking people if they want Scramble, not Royal, Scramble, localized for America. I'm kind of sitting here thinking, like, after talking about, it, like, so there is a way right now, in a way, they can play Persona 5 on the go. And then Atlas got this survey a month ago, and people were like, no, 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 we want it on Switch, which seems to be the takeaway because they're now doing a follow up survey about other games that they also think might have demand, but are now confirming with this massive survey respondent crowd that apparently exists. So it is interesting that there is a way to play it on the go, but Atlas is like, but is that the right way? And it sounds like they're now circling back to the idea that there's probably the Switch way as well which means both these may end up on Switch in due time. But it's interesting that there is a way for people who want to. Like, you're getting by just fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting my yeah. Persona fix on the go. Uh, yeah. Regardless. Uh, I should mention that I'm hardwired. My PlayStation is hardwired. It's not running off of Wi-Fi. So I'm thinking that's probably a big reason why I'm, I'm having no hitches when I'm miles away from home mm-hmm. with the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And the Wi-Fi at, at work is pretty good. It's 100... 130 megabits down so that's i i think remote play requires you to have at least like five megabits or something like that right no yeah. no about well about above 25, that. 20, 25 megabits <laughs> right yeah. and i guess that's to the to atlas's hope I, i'm sure is that's the difference and if they release it on switch they're still an audience because not right. everyone's gonna have that speed at all times right so so yeah, yeah. so there are caveats to to still pretty crazy play. yeah and it's crazy but having having it natively on uh on switch would be nice uh, right it'll be interesting to see if they ever do release persona 5 role on the switch or just persona 5 because i'm i'm wondering which version they would put i would guess royal right wouldn't they do the complete edition equivalent i that's I what mean, i would, I would, I would hope so. yeah i would hope so that's what they're doing with Catherine Full Body. If that gives you any like, souls. yeah, that 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 is true. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. that is true. They're they're giving us uh, the definitive edition of Catherine. So, yeah, and I mean like EA's doing it with Burnout, and it's got all the DLC, which now we have learned is coming out um, in June apparently. So that's a new bit of information. But like they're doing it with that, and like all the 2K um, compilations that are coming out, they're all gonna be fully full DLC. So you know, Bioshock, uh, Borderlands, XCOM. So yeah, it would be weird if they bucked the trend and did not do that. Yeah, so. Yeah. 
Actually, interesting thing about Borderlands and Bioshock, I read the other day, um, if you decide to buy them digitally, you'll be able to buy each game in the collection individually instead of having to buy all of them. So if you're missing one, like if you play Bioshock 1 and 2 but not Infinite, and I'm guessing they're charging 60 for the collection, so I would imagine it'd be like 20 bucks a pop for each individual game, which actually isn't that bad. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, 2K. 2K Heart Switch, after all, as that trailer said about a dozen times. So... Uh, but yes, that's one multi-platform thing. Two K Heart Switch. Another multi-platform thing, Angel. I know you want. You were really excited to talk about is uh, Resident Evil Three, which right excited, now isn't Switch But I did want to talk about it. Well, you're excited to share thoughts, whether good or bad. <laughs> oh, At least that's so, how, the impression I got. So, how is it? Um, definitely not as good as Part Two. But oh. when I was like going through my thoughts on like why I didn't think this one was as good as the second one. It turns out there were almost like point for point why people thought the original Resident Evil 3 wasn't as good as the second one. So, <laughs> I so guess. It's true to itself. <laughs> yeah, and I guess unfortunately that means that they didn't necessarily improve on it. Because something that made Resident Evil, I guess the first one, like so, I guess we'll call it groundbreaking, mm-hmm. was the fact that it kind of re- it redid, it remade everything. Like, the story points were still the same, but, I mean, you now had a full motion camera. Puzzles were restructured. The flow of the game was improved. Obviously, you had the whole Mr. X mechanic. Like, everything was redone from the ground up. Mm-hmm. But this one, it feels like they took, instead of doing pretty much what Resident Evil 2 did to, um, yeah, with, Resident Evil 2 Remake did to the original. This one definitely didn't seem to do the same approach. Just because... Uh, I mean, where, where do I begin? Well, I guess we'll start with the big one, like Nemesis. So, Nemesis, he's like... I mean, the original game was called Resident Evil 3 Nemesis. And he's supposed to be like this terrifying thing that like stalks you throughout the game. Pretty much what they turned Mr. X into in the original Resident Evil 2. Well, in the remake. They made him what, right. ev- what I guess the way everyone thought, like, Nemesis was supposed to act. And that just kind of, I guess it just sets, like, unfair expectations for them, where it's like, oh, man, if Mr. X is, like, this, I don't know, can give you this much anxiety and stress, then I can only imagine what, you know, Nemesis is going to do. Mm-hmm. But alas, that wasn't the case, and Nemesis is, like, entirely scripted, so... He'll appear so for like X literally switch and Mr. X literally switch roles. Basically, like that's and, so lame. That's really lame. Also, we went this long without I, making a Mr. X Mr. F joke. I'd just like to point that out. <laughs> but, oh, but uh, I I totally made the the joke in my head. Oh, I did too, but no one said it out loud. <laughs> uh, I know. I also imagined one of you two making the joke in my head. But Mr. X, oh, yes, there anyway. we go. Yep. Um, I think that was the most disappointing part because I know. As many people, as yeah, a lot of people love Resident Evil 2, but a lot of people also felt the mechanic of Mr. X running around was too stressful. So I can maybe see why they dialed it down. Mm-hmm. And there are like two segments where you are supposed to run away from Nemesis. Like, actually, I don't know, it never gets to a point where you're just solving puzzles, running around, and whoa, there's the tyrant Mr. X, like, just interrupting you, and now you have to rethink what you do because 
what made that game great was that it gives you time to get to know the police station, which was essentially this giant mansion. So you kind of know the layout, and then they introduce Mr. X so that by that point, you already know where you can run away to instead of running into dead ends. Unless you sometimes run into a dead end just because out of fear. But mm-hmm. this one, like, the amount of puzzles got scaled back so much. Like, you could tell this game was designed to be more of an action game. It's almost like Michael Bay directed it. Like, almost from the very beginning. <laughs> like, it's high adrenaline. It's the fun. But I wanted more... There are some scares, but I wanted Nemesis to just have a bigger role. It felt like he was barely in it. And when he was in it, like, there was maybe one section where you're going from, like, the donut shop to the subway. And it's, like, one giant stretch of terrain. And he will appear there. You can run away from him. He will chase after you. But if you go into any building, like, it just stops. Like, he just won't Mm. chase after you. And in the past, like, that didn't stop Mr. X. That feels like very old-school game logic. Oh, well, you're behind the wall now, so the enemy no longer sees you. Yeah, which is what, like, the original, well, the Resident Evil 2 remake, like, completely, like, shattered for a lot of people. Like, zombies, like, will go through the doors. Mr. X will go through the doors. Like, you were pretty much not safe anywhere except for, like, the save rooms. Yeah. Which kind of brings up the next thing. Like, there are so many save rooms. Like, in Resident Evil 2, there were maybe, like, three or four that I could think of in the police station. But it's, like, one giant hub area where, like, there's, like, one downstairs and, like, one upstairs. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you know where they are, you can find your way to get to them. But in this one, like, there was literally, like, a save room. You go, like... You go through a door, go up some stairs, and then there's, like, another save room right there. It's, like, I kept saving, thinking, like, oh, man, I might die around the next corner, but there was just so many save rooms. Like, they're just so abundant that I would even, just because the game offered it and because, you know, the game can be difficult sometimes and also scary, like, I would literally grab, like, a clip of ammo, and then I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go back to the save room, go back and save, because I didn't want to have to grab that clip of ammo again. Mm-hmm. And then I'll traverse a little more. Like, all right, I grabbed the third. I guess back to the save room. Like, anytime I made an inkling of progress, I would just immediately save. I think I ended up saving like 60 times in my six hour playthrough, which would make it like, you know, saving 10 times <laughs> per hour. Yeah. It's or I guess if, you, if you keep breaking it down, that's like, you know, saving once every 10 minutes or less. It's like about that. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, like, the bosses were also pretty easy. It felt like Nemesis had a hard time hitting me most of the time. But, I mean, game design-wise, I guess it was kind of disappointing coming from 2. Even if it did achieve its goal, it almost feels like it was trying to address the first one was too hard, so add more save rooms. Mr. X was too stressful. All right, let's make him not as stressful. Right. Like, it's, it, it's more... Battle, it sounds like. Yeah, because a lot of the Mr. X sequences feel more like walking simulators that are just really cool visually, but you're not really doing anything mm-hmm. so but i mean other than that i mean i guess just like the final fantasy 7 remake like jill and the partner character carlos like get a lot of great character development like you really like these characters by the end of the game and you know the world just looks amazing everything looks beautiful especially compared to resident evil 2 like that it a lot of things feel like a step up but i guess not where i feel it matters most not structurally yeah yeah unfortunately it's it's also just more linear like and maybe that's what the original one was but there's more like 
point A to point B versus point A and B are almost in the same spot. You just have to figure out how to get point B to activate. But um, it's it's interesting. But I would I don't know. It's like a if Resident Evil Two was a ten out of ten, I would put this on like a seven out of ten. So mm. it's still like a good game, but right. it's it, it's just it's great, but it's not amazing. It didn't hit like, the same I, high I'm also, as the other one. I'm also not as motivated. Like, actually, this might even spell it out more. Like, I'm not. I'm feeling less motivated to replay it because usually these games are all about replaying it. Like on my first playthrough, like I said, it took me about seven hours. It got like a C ranking because it's all based on time. Mm-hmm. To get a B ranking, you have to beat the game in three hours, so that's like half the time. To get right. a B, you have to beat it in two hours, and then an A is like, you know, the time just keeps decreasing, and with the number of times you can save. Like, I think to get an S ranking, you have to only save three times and beat it in under two hours. Uh-huh. But the game itself doesn't make me really feel like I want to replay it. Whereas Resident Evil 2, I think my first playthrough took me over 10 hours, and I've since replayed it like five times to completion, just because they had like Leon A to complete then you have to play Claire B but then you do Claire A which then makes you want to complete Leon B just to see like the different endings and the combinations and stuff like that right right so yeah maybe that's maybe that's why they included that Resident Evil asymmetric multiplayer that's pretty much like a page from Nintendo's book or just like Dead by Daylight like one Mm. person is the it's literally zombie you. Like, one person is the mastermind, and they're, like, plopping zombies down and sometimes jumping into control, you know, Mr. X or other people to kill the survivors. Mm-hmm. And the survivors are just trying to get out. It's like Saw. So, hmm. I mean, that looks it's, fun. It's, I haven't had a chance to play it, but that's not what I got the game for. bummer that it's not as good as 2, because, like, if you look at what Capcom's been doing with Resident Evil on Switch, they made Resident Evil 7 work as a cloud-based streaming game for Japanese Switches. Resident Evil 2 Remake was nowhere to be found, but then someone was data mining the demo code for Resident Evil 3's demo before it came out, and there were in there, there's a reference to, this game has an autosave feature, please do not turn it off on system, with the system variable defined as Xbox, PS4, PC, and Nintendo Switch as all options. Huh. So that could be lingering code or something, but it is weird that they put 7 for sure as a cloud streaming thing. Three could very well be a cloud streaming thing in Japan coming up, but two, which is seemingly the best one based on what you're saying, at least among the two remakes, just I oh mean, well, I, Nintendo I, I, fans. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I could. I, I'm not too surprised this happened. I mean, after I mean, I never played the originals, but I've definitely watched playthroughs of them. I don't mean I don't have the game, I and don't really see myself going out of my way to get it or even play a PlayStation era game. Like, unfortunately, right. I just can't really deal with the graphics yeah but what's it called but it seems like it's unanimous that a lot of people hold resident evil 2 in such high regard almost like one of those masterpiece video games that is just perfect blah 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 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and resident evil 3 has always been a game that people liked but from what i remember or have read it's not one of the best ones it's just a game that had a lot of improvements to go from and i mean they had an uphill battle and it seems like it just kind of stayed the same distance away from Resident Evil 2. Yeah. It could have been better. Like, actually, one of the things that I didn't really notice on my first playthrough, like, I after I beat the game, I was watching some other people 
play that I enjoy watching on YouTube. Well, more like their impression that wasn't watching a whole playthrough again. Mm-hmm. But they pointed out, and I didn't even notice that Resident Evil 2, you literally have to go from location to location. It's almost like one, it's not one straight cut, like in God of War, but you essentially see your character travel from police station to the to the underground, to the labs, to like everywhere. Like there's like no, you're pretty much playing through everything. But in this new one, there are a lot of points where it's like, oh, I have to get to this place. Cut. Now you're there. Or like, oh, let's go to the hospital. Cut. Now we're at the hospital. So mm. before, like, yeah. it made the whole city feel more connected in the past. Now everything feels, you know, yeah. more, it's a little, a little more separated. But And yet Capcom only thinks we switched people are worthy of yeah. this one. <laughs> Although I will say, though, like, I would, if you haven't played either, I would recommend you play this one first, Resident Evil 3 because it's a little easier and it's not as stressful and if you like it and mm-hmm. you want more i feel like resident evil 2 like is like the perfect way to go to that because it, it's just it gives you more puzzles more you know better environments and obviously the mr x mechanic which shouldn't be going the other way around but this is just what it is right right but, well at least you at least you can now now for people who are jumping in they have the correct order to play in which is the backwards order. <laughs> Just so you don't get disappointed. <laughs> you could be like, like yeah. oh, wow, like this is a huge improvement. Or you might, you know. Right. But if you can only play one, obviously just play Resident Evil 2. Like I would yeah. still recommend both. Yeah. So I guess it's now, we've talked about all the times you've individually been playing. So I, guess I want Kevin turn. to play Resident Evil 2 so, I could, so he could stream it. Ooh, yeah. That'd be kind stream of cool. little, how he could handle Mr. X. Mr. Oh, man. X. Uh, I... That, that game is constantly on sale. I wouldn't be surprised if if I pick it up sooner or later. I'm just uh, I'm just well, playing I mean, too many things if you, right now. If, if you drop off Persona Five Royal, I could have no. Resident Evil Two right there. Cause nope, sounds like he's be dro- he'll be dropping off a chance at coronavirus as well. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think I'm going to be playing Resident Evil Two anytime soon, considering how many times I already beat it. But it's I mean, I have it physical, so you don't have to buy it if that's the the hurdle. Just, true, just on this legal disclaimer there, the Ramden Town podcast does not support, endorse, or encourage the interaction of people during these social distancing times. You know, so we can just disinfect the game and leave it in a... <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, that's what we did with the podcast, Mike. Yeah, exactly. I, you left it by your mailbox, and I picked it up Well, I, I did see your brother yesterday, and we did make contact. So if I had it, and your brother brother contact uh, contracted it for me, there's a good chance that you already have it, Angel. So. <laughs> well, he did shower as soon as he came back didn't really make contact with them oh after. what <laughs> <laughs> friendly reminder again the random tale podcast does not endorse encourage or support the interaction of people in close quarters at this time stay safe Wash your are you guys <laughs> wearing masks when you when when you guys are, are outside? Uh, gonna start because it's now mandated in our county in all our county in la county if you go to yeah, any so. store you're supposed to uh if i walk around my neighborhood and probably not i have to I make one because i don't have any way but... from people yeah, so, Ooh, so I have a Kirby hanker well, a Kirby towel I could turn into a mask. That'd be So perfect. so we went to to CVS, me and your brother Angel yesterday, and I asked him like, Oh, do you do you not have a mask? He's like, No, why would I need a mask? Or may, maybe those weren't his exact words, but he was like, Oh, I thought that was just like a suggestion. It and was, was like, and then it wasn't. <laughs> I, yeah, and then I was like, No, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that it, that it's like mandated well, now. Yeah, I told I told them there's a there's a good chance that they're not gonna allow you in the CVS. But yeah, they they allowed them in. They haven't quite reached that point where they're kicking people out of the store. But I I swung by to get Jersey Mike for lunch yesterday, um, like takeout, 
everyone there was wearing masks. All the employees, all the customers, except me because ours was arriving that day that we ordered. So yeah. so now I have it, but I didn't have it at the time. Yeah, I went to Chipotle yesterday uh, during work, and yeah, I'll, everybody was wearing masks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the so hot strange. New, the hot new fashion item of 2020. It is. Right? It is definitely a fashion item. People Japan, are accessorizing ahead of the curve. Japan and South Korea? Hmm? Japan and South Korea were definitely ahead of the fashion ahead of the curve. curve that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like yeah, but weird times. Just, and stuff like that. It's very weird times. A friendly reminder, though, for everyone to stay safe and be smart about what they do and who they interact with and what they put on their face. Anyway. And who you put on your face. Oh. Sure. sure. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Jason nervous laugh. <laughs> no, I've actually. Game. Time to put the explicit tag <laughs> on this episode. Nope. Nope. Uh, anyway. Now that you guys have talked about, I guess, the individual games you've been playing, I'm going to just immediately pivot away from this conversation and talk about the one I've been playing. I want to talk about um, Nintendo's quirky new physics puzzler, Good Job. Or, like, well, really awesome. it's not Nintendo. I should, the, 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 I, or, Nintendo didn't um, make it? It was made by Paladin Studios. And they like, credit like, for something they didn't do? No, they published it and supported it. So like what like they, what they did with the Stretchers, which was another developer. Nintendo basically like gave a leg up and guidance on what looks to be an original idea by someone else and kind mm. of also like the stretchers it's resulted in a pretty like zany fun wonky little game um so in terms of gameplay i think the closest uh like compatriot of good job is probably untitled goose game actually they both share the same rough idea of you're going space by space needing to solve environmental puzzles using objects around you uh goose game did this in like a very mario 64 sort of way they had a checklist of objectives you go through and then you sort of the levels were kind of blended together so like you did the checklist and you'd walk to the next level and there'd be something else um good job does this a little differently you have one level at a time very isolated individual levels they're all represented by different rooms on different floors of an office building you only have one core objective per level be it dragging like an ethernet cable across an office to get the wi-fi working or rolling a projector to a new room or controlling a crane that needs to move around freight boxes like that sort of thing each floor of the office they have different uh different themes so there's like the the first floor is like the finance second floor is uh delivery and freight and that sort of thing and the goal here is ultimately you want to work your way up to the top floor of the office building where your dad the ceo is is uh waiting for you i guess because he's the one that gave you the initial office assistant job at the company you're his son uh but how you choose to go about doing this making your way up the building what was that Good old nepotism. Oh, yeah. God, I love it. Uh, but <laughs> how you choose to do it is entirely up to you. And I don't mean that, like um, like how you go up the buildings up to you. I mean like what you do in each level is up to you because there is only the single objective. But like with Untitled Goose Game, there's not necessarily a right or wrong way to achieve the goal. So in the early level with a projector where I have to wheel it into another room, you can either like carefully roll it across the office, you know, unplugging and plugging various power cords as you go to open doors and that sort of thing. Or you can just use the cords as slingshots and bust the projector through glass walls and kind of break your way across the office. A more elaborate example that I actually thought that was really kind of fun was on the second floor, you're dealing with these big freight boxes. And there's a level where you can either do a super elaborate puzzle involving moving a piece of freight to an upper floor with a forklift and then coming around the other side through a door as an individual, taking a second forklift and moving it again, and then moving some additional freight to build a bridge across a gap that you can then drive a forklift over or you can do what i did and i just drove the forklift full speed through the wall broke the wall took the forklift put the other forklift on the forklift and that forklift carrying the box just bridged the gap for me i just drove across the gap with a double forklift like tower so like you can really do it however you 
want. Like the game rates you basically on three different criteria, which is the time it takes you to do it, the items you destroyed, and the monetary damage of what you destroyed. And then it gives you a final score. But because there's that kind of three-way split, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to keep objects pristine. Like a very fast time can balance out or even exceed the amount of damage you've done in terms of your overall grade. And that makes the game not just like an environmental puzzle box room situation, but like a kind of wacky sandbox at the same time. And this is especially true because I've noticed, uh, I have yet to encounter anything in a level that's not interactive. Literally everything can be moved, picked up, touched, dragged, whatever. If you see it, you can grab it, use it, break it. Uh, so that means you can take like a fire extinguisher from one room and use it to break up some office workers blocking a door in another, or you can just shove people into seats if you want to just grab a seat and get people out of the way that way, or you can like turn a shelf into a battering ram. Like really, um, kind of like with Goose Game, it has a very sandbox feel where you just try different things and see what works. But where it notably differs, at least to me with from Goose Game, is the physics themselves. Like. Goose Game follows the kind of Nintendo principle of creating levels that feel like a kind of, I think they call it like a planned garden or like a finely curated, basically the idea of like the levels curated in a way that you're encouraged to explore, but there's specific end goals of doing this will get you this, doing this will get you that. Think of like Mario 64 or any Mario game really, Mario Odyssey, how yeah, there's like maybe moons scattered about, but those moons are in set places and Nintendo's like, you will find this here if you do a thing. In Good Job... And, and Goose Game follows that logic in, as well. But in Good Job, it's complete chaos. It's just wacky physics. It's kind of more like Gang Beasts or Humans Fall Flat or that sort of thing. So yes, you can interact with everything. And yeah, they kind of stick to some expected behaviors. But the chain reactions, the way in which they fly around, the way in which things affect other things, all of that's a bit more random and chaotic. So you aren't going to get the exact same pixel-by-pixel, move-by-move result or experience every two times you play it. Or you know, every time you play it in a row or whatever. Um, which for the core premise of the game, I found that works just fine. Like you want to solve the puzzle any which way. Half the fun is seeing how things can go wrong as you do. That's all great, especially if you'd like to be chaotic like me and just bust through walls. But um, there is a flip side to it, I've noticed, that all these levels also have hidden objects for you to collect. Little things you can equip your character with, like hats and vests and accessories, like a shield or like a little sword or that sort of thing. And uh, they're completely optional. There's kind of a fun little extra thing you can do in each level. Like, even when you beat the level, you get, like, a thing on the screen. It's like, good job, because it's the name of the game. And, uh, you know, oh. that's your, your complete... Yeah, I know, they said the name of the game in the game. But it's like, uh, you know, that sort of complete... You completed the level. But then there's a little option to continue to run amok in the level once you've completed it, if you just want to mess with the physics or, you know, collect these little items. And the problem here is these objects are small... And they're often on things or behind things or inside things. And there's always a little sparkle that indicates they're there for you to collect. But the unpredictable, wacky, fun physics like sometimes make it unnecessarily difficult to actually get the thing. Because even if you knock them into plain sight, something else will hinder you when it necessarily shouldn't. Like, you know, an object may land a certain way or it may bonk into some boxes that then glide in front of your path. And I have to pick up and move every single box even though really they shouldn't have been there. Or, you know, like... Things just happen in an unnatural, random way that works against you, and it's just like, I see the object, I know how to get it, but suddenly the game's not letting me in this instance. So, like, in the grand scheme of things, that's probably a small nitpick. I mean, it's notable, but it's not really hindering it too much. Otherwise, it is still a really good time. Um, the only other hindrance I really had was the load times are kind of long for what it is. Like, I get that if you restart a level, they need to kind of reset all the physics and move all the objects back, but... 
the time coming in and out of every single level is weirdly slow, especially for a digital-only release. Like, I'm not sure how that... Ha like, it's not a graphically intense game. So not entire, I guess the physics engine can be intense, but I don't know. It just struck me as a little odd that it was that slow. But besides that, it's a lot of fun. Um, I haven't yet tried the two-player mode, but I imagine it can be both increasing the zaniness and maybe, weirdly, at the same time, actually making things a little more sane if you and a friend try to, like, legitimately coordinate your moves. Um, but... Single player is great. I also want to give a shout out to the whole like aesthetic of the game. They use you guys compared it to Portal, I think the Portal PSAs uh, when we first talked about it last episode. But basically, it uses a workplace warning sign look for the entire game and the world's like it's, it's pretty. Which is literally based. the Portal PSAs. Yeah, which is based on the exact same thing, which are those like wet floor signs and that sort of thing. And it uh, it's all very bright and colorful. Each floor gets its own color to identify by. I noticed in the settings, kind of cool. They actually have a colorblind option, so if you are colorblind, they still like accommodate you, even though it's a very colorful game. And um, the music's perfect too. It's basically elevator music with a little more pizzazz, which is fitting since it's in an office. So yeah, like overall, I'd say it's worth checking out. It's twenty bucks. Uh, I can't speak to the game's final length. I'm still going through it, but so far I'm having a lot of fun with the freedom of the puzzles. You know, either doing them the right way or or in the utmost of wrong ways. So yeah, I'd say it. You know, Nintendo has a good eye for this sort of stuff, and they found it. They found a good one. You just need to be mindful. Sometimes the physics work against you, and if you're expecting an environmental puzzle more like Goose Game, where it's a little more curated, it is not that. It is way more chaotic. So I'm, su I'm so surprised that, that Nintendo hasn't. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just say so that's that's good job. Basically. Okay, I'm I'm yeah. surprised that Nintendo doesn't have a name for uh, these these games coming from uh, smaller developers. Like, right? You would think that they would call this the the Oh, I don't know. It's like when the, they had the, the, uh, the, yeah, they used to have the uh, art style games on DSI uh, as DSIware, and they were all these. They contracted out to all these different little developers, like two or three of them. I think Q Games even made a couple of them, and they were these very simplistic. They all shared a similar art style, as the name implies, and they all were very basic gameplay concepts, and they just did different things. And I feel like they could totally do like a a Nindies style branding for this, especially now that the Nindies name is freed up. Like, this, yeah, considering yeah. that, like. The last two directs, the last two, like, yeah, the, it, it was, the stretchers came out on the last direct, right? It was, last big one. maybe, I want to say it was tail end of last year, so yes, that might have been the last real direct. Yeah, actually, you might be right. Yeah, so. Yeah, so it does seem weird, and they're both from, I was saying this last episode, they're both, oddly enough, developers from Scandinavian countries. So clearly, this is Nintendo of Europe who's doing most of the scouting here, but, um, yeah, like, one's Swedish and one's Finnish or something, but... Yeah, it does seem like a missed opportunity to not put these under some sort of umbrella. I mean, even when they did Touch Generations on the DS, I don't know if you remember that. That was mostly first-party stuff, but it was, like, the more casual-facing. So, like, everything from Nintendogs to Brain Age to, like, Magnetica and games that barely would be, like, out of the box because Magnetica is basically Zuma or whatever that marble game is. Um, like, they put that branding on to just give it some extra clout, and I feel like they could totally be doing that right now. Right, right. That's a good point. Um... But yeah, I would say check it out. Check out the stretchers too, everyone, because that, that one's fun as well. Angel, you played that one with me a bit. That was pretty fun. Um, it can be fun, yeah. <laughs> it is fun. It is. Fun. <laughs> yeah, there is one other game I wanted to bring up, and it's not something any of us are playing. It's actually the opposite. It's a game that should be readily available, but in one of the strangest release circumstances I can recall ever happening. Actually, it's just not is it really, or are people just available? blowing it out of no. It's super bizarre. Like. No, it's not often. So, um, first of all, the game I'm talking about is Cooking Mama Cookstar. I don't know how much you guys have been following this saga, 
because it is it is legitimately weird. So sounds like not much. So um, to catch yeah, I haven't oh, heard anything. Uh, no, I've only no, heard yeah, yeah. I've, that I've, there I've... is drama. Yeah, so let me let me catch you up with it. You guys may remember if you go back to August of last year, there's a company called Planet Digital Partners, I think, or something like that, who Planet, announced Inter- Planet Entertainment, isn't it? So, something. Like that? So they so Planet Digital Partners owns Planet Entertainment, and they are both owned by Kochmia, who owns a chunk of Deep Silver or something like that. Who's owned by now THQ Nordic, or something? It, it it's it's many levels. There's it's quite the onion of ownerships here. But, um, yeah, they announced a new Cooking Mama game for Switch. They said it would be – we definitely talked about this. They said it would be the world's first video game to use blockchain technology, which when they said that at the time made no sense. As anyone who regularly listens to our show may recall, we collectively sort of melted down trying to figure out what that meant. I actually went back and listened to our segment. It's in episode two or nine for anyone who's interested. And at one point, I literally started giggling uncontrollably about it. I'm not quite sure why. So, like, it's a weird – the blockchain thing makes zero sense, makes even less sense in Cooking Mama. They're saying it's for DRM or something, or like privacy, or being able to like have unique game experiences, something like that. Anyway, that sort of sets the tone for everything else that's about to happen. Because you have a game, Cooking Mama of all games, that has blockchain tech for no rhyme or reason. And then the game was quote unquote released on March twenty sixth, which is a it proceeded to basically it was on the eShop for like four hours, maybe three. And that was inexplicably pulled. Meanwhile, no retailers have it available currently. Uh, they have a different bunch of explanations. Was anyone training. able to actually nab a copy or was it impossible? Yes, some people download a copy. Some people bought a copy because no retailer says they have it. But some people got shipments from Target of it, like individual people. And some retailers say it's coming soon and some say it's not available and some say it's discontinued. But somehow people got copies delivered to their homes and bought it from the eShop during those few hours. And it's all very weird. So IGN, they decided to do some research, and they wanted to reach out to the publisher and see what happened. And that's where things really fall apart because first they tried to contact the franchise's owner, a Japanese company called Office Create, who changed their name to Cookie Mama LTD after making like 10 successful entries, but now apparently have gone back to their old name of Office Create without really announcing it. Um, so they, they didn't get through to them at all. So then they turned to the publisher, which is Planet Digital, Digital uh, Planet Entertainment, whatever. And it gets even weirder because this is a company that, according to IGN, claims to have been founded by a, quote, all-star team of video game industry leaders, including the founder of Take-Two slash Grand Theft Auto and the former CEO of Guitar Hero. And just to pause there for a moment, Guitar Hero never had a CEO. It was not a company. It was a game. The companies were Red Octane, Harmonix, and Activision eventually. Right. So I don't know how you are CEO – unless you're the plastic guitar. Like I don't know how you're the CEO of Guitar Hero. Um, so you know, already it seems like something's shady here and they're lying. Making matters worse is Rajan dug into their um, office and the address of the business is a house in rural Connecticut. So like do all these founders and their office staff just live in like a Big Brother house or like an episode of Real World? Like what are they doing in a house? Like it doesn't make any sense. And that's kind of where IGN left it. They couldn't find who was responsible for the game, why its release is all screwed up, who ran Cooking Mama's Twitter account if nobody was taking credit for any of it. Like literally the box, the physical box that people received has no publisher on it and no developer listed at all, which led to all sorts of conspiracy theories, of course, because 
here's a company that's like, we're going to put blockchain in your Cooking Mama. And then Cooking Mama vanished as <laughs> soon as dirty for me. <laughs> right? And then Cooking Mama vanished as soon as it came out. So what if the game was pulled by Nintendo because it was actually mining cryptocurrencies on your Switch? Like, could it brick your Switch? Could it overheat? Would it literally burst your system into flames? Like, no one really knew what was going on. And again, to be clear, we're talking about a Cooking Mama game, the most innocent game in the world, probably. And it was trending nationwide on Twitter last weekend because people thought Cooking Mama may be mining crypto on Switches and could destroy their system. Cooking Mama. Just so we're clear. Cooking Mama. (laughs) Like, what? So, so you're thinking this is the end of the Cookie Mama franchise? Well, no. Let's fast forward. There's another layer to this. I don't think it's the end because here comes the other layer. Another site called Screen Rant did some further digging, digging, and I don't know why Screen Rant was doing it. It's their movie site, but they found their they rent a developer on the screen video games. I guess so. That's fair. But they found a developer who I guess works at a studio called One Play Productions. And I guess One Play Productions, who normally does edutainment, made this game. And he anonymously told Screen Rant, and I assume he only did this anonymously because he didn't want like the Cookie Mama Gestapo to like come after him or something, but he anonymously said that the issue stemmed from Office Create, the series IP holders. Even though they're not the developers, they own the property, and they basically told Planet Digital not to release the game. It wasn't good enough. And then Planet Digital is like, nah, we're good, and released it anyway so then office create used their nintendo contacts because they've obviously been buddies with nintendo forever cookie mom was huge on ds they used their nintendo contacts said the game pulled against planet digital's wishes from the eShop, and then they used their copyright claims on the ip to block all advertising plans online including a series of youtube commercials they're gonna run damn they also so it's, it's super bizarre they also confirmed that there was never actual blockchain integration in the game whatsoever apparently the head of planet digital you know, Mr. Uh, CEO of Guitar Hero, the plastic plastic guitar, he um, essentially was throwing around buzzwords he thought would sell the game with zero understanding of what he was saying. So he's just like, oh, yeah, blockchain and DRM and uh, customization and hashes, hash passwords. Yes, those are all things we have. And, uh, and to back all this, a Switch modder has dug through the code, confirmed that, yes, there is no blockchain anything in the game. So that kind of legitimizes this anonymous source who doesn't want to be named for fear of Cookie Mama killing him or something. Um, so that's where it sort of was. And now the saga continues because the game is pulled from all shelves. The game is pulled from the eShop. But if you go to the Cookie Mama Cookstar website, Planet Digital is selling physical copies directly for $40. Interesting. And, you know, Buy on copy, some Jason. level... I'm kind of tempted to buy it. It's a piece of video game history. It is. I've never played a Cookie Mama before. It is a piece of gaming history. Even if the game sucks, like, as a collector's I am, this seems like it's kind of rare. I mean, part of me is worried that if this could go like what happens with Amiibo. Like, I bought a bunch of hard-to-find Amiibos early on. Amiibo, single and plural. Sorry. Sorry, Nintendo. And, um, you know, I found them through pure luck. Like, I remember when the Wii Fit Trainer was super rare. There's one there's one just on the floor of a Target in an aisle I was walking down. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm buying that now. And then, of course, Nintendo reprinted them in Bountiful Supplies. And, in fact, it seems like Cookie Mom may go that way because they just pushed a game update to it this week for those who did have a copy. So someone's still developing for it, which means they're probably trying to fix it up and get it out to a wide release. But at the same time, like... It's right here at shop.cookiemamacookstar.com. I have the page up. I have the buy with Apple Pay button right here. I just need to scan my face. Like, should I do it? Yeah, should I do buy it. this? Do it. Should do I just it. do it right now? Like, do on it. the yeah. thing? Live. Okay, fine. Everyone can partake in this moment. It's going to ship to my house. 
is going to be forty dollars, forty four ninety nine after tax. Okay. Can you see the picture? I'm slightly disappointed that I'm supporting this company that's not treating the IP how the people envisioned, but it's processing. It's processing. It's still processing. I would love if the payment thing did. Oh, it worked. Okay. Um, yeah, my order is confirmed. I'm getting cooking. I can't believe I actually did that. Awesome. I'm getting cooking mom for forty four ninety nine, and we'll see how good or bad this this game is, and we'll see if it blows up my switch. And I'll have an update hopefully next episode. Perfect. But I can't nice. believe I just actually bought that. That's that actually it doesn't even say when it's going to ship. It just says it will ship immediately on the page, but I have no shipping track order. All right, hang on. I have to get an app just to track the order. That's silly. Ooh, well, that's, that's not shady at sign. all. Mm-mm. But at least Apple Pay anonymizes the payments, so they'll never know exactly who I am. Wow, that was a first. Buying a game live on air. And a crazy one at that. But anyway, the point is, that's bonkers. Like, I've never heard of it. Like, games have had issues, but not that. Like, that's like no one wants to take credit for the game. <laughs> it's so weird. So that's one that I guess I'll talk about next time. But, um... Yeah, the Cookie Mod craziness, it, it kind of, you know, and how it bucks, like, I guess every conventional line of thought about how a game should be released, it kind of is the embodiment of, like, where the industry as a whole is right now. Because, like, obviously coronavirus is a much more serious issue, and one I'm glad, like, collectively it seems like the, we have, as a society, started to flatten the curve on some level in some places, so that's good. But, like, the ripple effect of coronavirus in things that seem totally unrelated, like, whew, the video game world is really wonky right now. Like, the standard news cycle is totally out of whack. I mean, the prime example of this is one that I'm pretty sure you guys have some thoughts on, which is how there's a new PS5 controller. It's called the DualSense. Um, Sony could have done a big blowout. They could have announced it in some crazy way. I mean, Xbox, we talked about the Series X when it was announced at the Game Awards, and, you know, now this is Sony's turn. And they're like, here's our Stormtrooper of a controller, and here's a paragraph about it on a blog post. And that was it. So what do you guys think of it? The new PS5 DualSense. Well, I don't know how you I don't know how you blow up the announcement of a of a controller really. You like, you pair it with games or you pair it with uh footage of what the new functionality does. Case in point the Wii Remote. That didn't have games, but Nintendo did think, sizzle reel. What did you say off. this is they're making a bigger deal out of it? Because, like when the Switch came out, like I mean there was a pro controller there, but I mean it was just part of the video. They didn't even really acknowledge it. Is that what but you're the saying? main controller was the focus. Or have of the video, this and the video? Is that what you're? That's what I'm saying. This would have been part of something bigger, but instead they're just like, "Here's a controller," and then they didn't do anything. They're just like, "Here's a blog post." <laughs> like it's weird. Like Nintendo, when they did the Wii, had like the whole sizzle reel. When Xbox announced like the Series X, they had the controller and the console together with games. And Sony's just like, "We're gonna do an hour-long architecture talk on YouTube, and then we're gonna give you a blog post with a controller and what games." Well. Mm, good question. What's the system look like? Mm, good question. And I'm not saying it's the wrong approach. I'm just saying it's definitely not the traditional way a game, anything is revealed. But in light of the current times, they're just kind of like, yeah, we just throw it out there. Well. And it worked. It was super all over the place. They got more attention than um, Xbox got. Like, they had an inside Xbox presentation the same day. And Sony is on track for the PS5 controller to be the most liked game image on Instagram ever. And all I had to do was hit publish on wordpress hmm. so it did work it's just kind of a different strategy but what do you think of the actual controller like the the new features and stuff any thoughts because you guys play playstation angel you actually should probably disclaim you sort of work for sony so these are your views but <laughs> i think initially i was like this looks weird but i think the more i looked at it the more i started to like it i mean for better or worse it's 
it's just getting more in line with, I guess, what is now a more traditional shape for a controller. It seems like they're all kind of getting that shape, but some more yeah. so than others. I guess ever since Xbox 360 did it. But and they did talk I mean, about. I, how I like it, and it a lot of the mockups for like alternate colors look really, really cool. So I mean, I do like the solid black. I like it. The 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 black and white it hasn't grown on me. It looks like a, it kind of looks like a fake controller from like a futuristic sci-fi show, but the all black looks pretty good. Ah. Very true. How about you, Kevin? That's my thoughts. Uh, I mean, it, it looks fine. I'm sure it will be fine. <laughs> I'm I'm not a fan of the of the huge uh, uh, L and R ones, but whatever. I know people have issues with the bumpers. And isn't that uh, partly to accommodate the L2 and R2 now being adaptive triggers, which actually sounds kind of cool. This was something the NX was rumored to have. We'd like to switch when it was still called NX, but never did, which is like they'll have tension based on what you're doing in the game. As you press down, right different and, levels of tension. I, I believe the uh, the elite controller does that. The elite it? controllers do that. Yeah, but it sounds like the only thing that really takes advantage of it is uh, like Forza when you're revving up the uh, the engine. Mm. So yeah, I doubt developers will will incorporate this. I'm sure Sony will into their games. Yeah, for, and I, I mean, if it Horizon pairs two or right whenever that comes out. But, uh, I was going to say, because it, it could pair well with the haptic feedback stuff. Like, one of the things they're talking up is basically their version of HD Rumble, where the different types of vibration for different circumstances and different levels. It literally is HD Rumble, but I imagine that combined with adaptive triggers could be actually kind of interesting. Or is that also. Did they say that it was, was going to have uh, adaptive feedback? Yeah, they're calling it haptic feedback adds a variety of powerful sensations you'll feel when you play, such as the slow grittiness of driving a car through mud. Literally HD Rumble. But what's hmm. interesting is they're pairing it with the triggers. So there's triggers, potentially gotcha. something there. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Could be interesting. Like I said, I doubt that many third-party developers will, will take advantage of it. Just like uh, the gyro in the PS3 controller or the touchpad in the PS4 controller. I mean, yeah. yeah I, I mean, isn't it basically just a souped-up PS4 controller? Because it has all the exact same features. It's a souped-up PS4 controller that they redid some of the proportions on to make it supposedly lighter and a little more comfortable to hold. Like, they shifted I some of the, the stuff. I thought the PS4 controller oh. was already super comfortable to hold. I thought so. I thought so too. But they, you know, they need to sell this one. So <laughs> yeah. they're gonna say this one's even more. Co- you know, it's like the Apple effect. This iPod's the best iPod ever. And then the next year, that iPod was trash. This is the good one. So <laughs> we actually messed up. I'm sorry for everyone that bought it. Yeah. Like right now, in front of me, I've got right now. I'm holding the Xbox One controller, which I do not like this controller. Uh, but I mean, this feels fine. If I'm the PS4 controller is is way more comfortable. Uh, where's my Pro controller? I think the Hold Pro. I'm back. guessing I could buy a Nintendo fan. I think the Pro is my favorite of the bunch. I can't imagine seeing myself playing Smash Brothers with the PS4 controller, but that's also maybe just because that's all I've been using to play Smash Brothers. I don't know. <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I I did feel like instant love with the. With the Pro Controller, I feel like the PS4 mm-hmm. controller, I mean, I liked it from the beginning, but it definitely took a while just to get used to it. Yeah, the Pro Controller is awesome. Uh, I love this thing. Yeah, the from, the, ones, from the three current ones, I mean, obviously, Joy-Cons excluded, but... The one thing Nintendo's always going to have advantage in is D-pads. They have the patent on the best D-pad. No one else Ooh, is going to have the D-pad. Yeah? No, the, the, the PS4 D-pad. What? 
You're a madman. Kicks, kicks the the pros. You're a madman. Oh yeah, this is nice. The what are what are you feeling right now? <laughs> the PS4. Literally yep, could the, have been the, anything. <laughs> the the the, the, the PS4 controller. This the D pad so? on the pro controller. No, dude, no. I've always loved Nintendo's D pad. I'm not saying it's a bad. I mean, there's nothing saying you can't love it. You just, I, know. I mean, you've also never really had PlayStation consoles to really like get used to. Yeah, man. The, I guess the the, the PS4. But isn't the PS4 D pad not even a real D pad? Doesn't it like? Well, yes, yeah, it's four buttons, so it's like the Joy-Con in that regard. Uh, no, but they're they're all connected under the shell. Oh yeah, yeah. They're not they're not now. buttons. Yeah. Well. Agree to disagree. But I will give Sony the, credit. The Xbox, one, three, the Xbox One D-pad is... Let's not even talk about <laughs> No. The, yeah, the, Xbox, Xbox has, the Xbox has never had good D-pads. No. No. But, know. um... And while I may disagree on the D-pad thing, I will give Sony credit that, like, a couple of the other things they're doing with the controller are kind of cool. Like, the fact that it will have a built-in mic if you want to play without um, headphones. Like, that's kind of nice. I get that. I'd say 50-50. I use headphones versus speakerphone when playing Switch online. And I kind of like the create button idea. They're not really saying what it is, but they're saying it's more than just photos and videos. So I'm thinking it might mean all the sorts of stuff that games do. Like we see Maybe Nintendo do filters. Yeah, exactly. Like we see filters in Animal Crossing and Mario Odyssey. But if Sony did that as a system Sony level does that set too tools, in a lot of cool. their own games. Because I know like God of War lets you – like when you, there's a picture mode also. And it also yeah, lets you like apply yeah. like filters and pretty much the same ones that the Nintendo once had. But definitely – I think Nintendo started that first. I'm not sure. All, all their first party releases have had this this really in depth photo mode. They got uh, a system Spider-Man level thing. A, yeah, I hope. Which, like I said, if it's a system level thing, I don't see many third party developers supporting it. But well, it hopefully if it's a system level thing, they don't need to support it. They just it's kind of like how most Switch games work with the share button. All we'll do is layer filters and stuff on top. Should you wish to. Yeah. I guess, I guess they they could go that route. Yeah, I would imagine they'd do that. I mean, like, the adaptive triggers, the haptic, that for sure developers would need to integrate. But, like, filters, meh. <laughs> That's easy enough for somebody to just blanket. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's an interesting controller. But I, I do think the more interesting thing to me is, like I was saying, the way it was announced without anything attached to it. Like, companies usually have a bigger blowout of some sort. And I was making the point that Sony did fine without doing that. Like, they completely usurped inside Xbox that day. And, like, you know, it was a couple photographs in a blog post. Microsoft had a 30-minute video presentation and got completely slarred by a blog post with three photos. And I can't help but wonder if, you know, as other companies look at this in the current situation we're in, Nintendo included, like, I wonder if they see it and realize, oh, right now we only need to do bare minimum in terms of getting people's attention. Like, everyone's so hungry for anything exciting while stuck at home that there's no real need to go big or even go medium or either go small they could just like go anything and they'll get attention like they could just publish a photo of a controller and it's the hottest thing on the internet on a tuesday and Mm -hmm. i suspect in part that's why the esa just announced this past week they are no longer going to be doing any sort of digital version of e3 in june anymore (gasps) so as you i know so as you may recall when e3 was canceled a month ago yes what felt like a decade was only four weeks. Uh, but as you may recall from a month ago, they said that they and exhibitors were going to try and line up. That was a year ago. What? No, I know. But yeah, keep going. But I just didn't catch what you said. You cut out a little. No, it really did feel like that was like a year ago. 
Like those and jokes. Of course, you cut out in the same spot two times. Anyway, I'll keep going. Um, well, the the audience heard me, so that's all that. The means. audience heard, and I'm just like, what? But yeah, um, what's happening is they're no longer. They were saying they're going to do a week of exhi- of like stuff with exhibitors online. Now all they're promising to do is help quote promote and showcase individual company announcements, which I'm pretty sure just translates to, uh, yeah, we're going to retweet them from our Twitter account, and that's it. So the first question is, does this even bother anyone? Like, do we miss even the virtual spectacle? Or, like, are we just glad there's any sort of news coming through? How you guys feel knowing that, like, they're not even going to try and recreate anything, like, as an experience for you three? It's just going to be, like, as people trickle stuff out. Well, I honestly don't mind. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, like, cool if it's there. If not, life goes on. No, no skin off my... No harm, no foul. What were you guys saying, yeah. Kevin? Sound like you were trying to say something. I mean, their their physical outputs have been bad the last couple of years, so... <laughs> True. Their, their digital outputs... I mean, Jeff Keighley went from the VGAs to VGX, and we all remember how much a disaster that was. <laughs> yeah, that's a good good example. But yeah, I think, um, for me at least, like I, as I've said on the show many times, this is like the Super Bowl of gaming. I love E3, but... So I am bummed that the online equivalent is gone, but I do... I do get why even that doesn't work because of the other reason I don't think we're seeing E3 anymore and the other reason stuff is kind of breaking apart, and that is uh, delays. Like we're reaching a point where nobody can actually lock down when anything will be released anymore. I mean really we can look again to Sony as a trendsetter here. Like they're the first ones that backed out GDC. They were the ones that did the PS5 controller with a blog post and it went over great. They made the most dramatic delays in their movie lineup. Everything was pushed to 2021 while everyone else was like, well, maybe in the fall we can do something. And now they have delayed drastically two of their big high-profile games, well, one significantly more than the other, uh, that were coming in May, Last of Us Part Two and Iron Man VR. Both were due next month. Not Iron Man VR. I know. Both were delayed indefinitely. Hey, man, that game has had some some really solid uh, impressions. impressions. Yeah, yeah, it actually sounds really, like, legit. It was sincere. We we actually have a way to play it, so I was actually looking forward to, like, an actual VR game that's actually being, like... Well, you're going to have to be looking forward to it indefinitely. They didn't just push back the games. They don't even know when they're going to release the games. Um, The dev work's supposedly done, but Jason Shearer over at Kotaku is saying that it's the logistics of packaging, distributing, and marketing that were totally upended that uh, made them stop. Do you think release. it would hurt them if they just do like, like say they release it on the initially planned release date, like just digitally, like don't even they'll say kind of like modern movies today. They release digitally first for two weeks, and then two weeks later there's the Blu-ray release. It's almost right. like having yeah, two no, releases. It's a, it's a good. I don't think they even know how quickly they can turn it around. That's the that's the part well, I don't know. Yeah, because I mean they said they give. I mean like Last of Us sounded like. There's still some stuff they want to tweak. I mean, that's right. just what they said. Yeah. Obviously, it could be for something else. Yeah. But, I mean, if it really was just because of the virus and, you know, they just needed more time. I mean, actually, no, they didn't need more time. Then I don't know why. I don't know if the strategy. Well, so that's the crazy thing is bad. clearly they did it some sort of assessment. Because, like, that's not an easy call to make. They had to put putting them on hold indefinitely means that by Sony's own PSN policies, Anyone who pre-ordered the game from the digital store is now getting full refunds. So it's not just money lost in the future. It's money already accounted for in Sony's pocket coming back out and going back to the customer. So I wonder how whatever... much money they did lose just because it is – at least with The Last of Us 2, I feel like that's that game is so high profile that yeah. 
I feel that's like why it's su- almost such a big no deal. one is gonna cancel their pre-order. Can't imagine. Well, no, 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 no. That's not how. That's my point. So people don't get a say. If they pre-ordered from PSN by policy, if a release date is removed from the PSN store, money goes back to the person. Automatically, no one even gets to say anything. It just oh, happens. All right, I guess I missed that part. So yeah, no, because otherwise you're right. Most people would hold on. They understand the situation. But in this one, like Sony's really like, no, we can't do this if they're going to let that happen is kind of my point. Um, but yeah, I don't really know. Like, I mean, I think they probably in some similar to movies, like they have an expectation of a certain blockbuster type of release. And if they feel like it comes in under that, they lose, you know, still sell well, but if they can't hit that initial wave of hype. It's hard to recreate that down the line. So their projections probably show that you know they can get 80 or 70% of what they could have gotten if it was released a normal way with a normal marketing campaign and billboards and in-store displays and you know the awareness building. But if they only do it digitally, perhaps they can't and perhaps some people, given you know the economy and given how unemployment's going, people that were going to buy it maybe can't anymore. So they'd rather, I guess, wait it out and see if they can get that full audience back is my assumption. Damn. It's, but it, yeah. Uh, hmm. But it's it, an, it, it's an interesting situation for sure. It, it's very weird because like I mean, there's different reasons stuff is getting delayed too. Because like uh, remember Fight Crab, <laughs> that indie game where crabs fight each other coming to Switch. It's supposed to be out I think this year. That yeah. got delayed, but that's due probably to development reasons because they're a small team and it's hard to work remote. You know, previously we had the Outer Worlds for Switch to. Uh, delayed because it was chinese developers that were doing some parts and they were stuck at home but now that's coming out in july so like there's all these different layers of like how things are delayed why things are delayed um bloomberg did an article a few weeks ago outlining how like a lot of smaller studios are losing all their networking opportunities because there's no physical events so they can't get their games at the hands of publishers like there can't be a nintendo picking up paladin's good job like they could have uh, and then larger studios are trying to figure out how to make work from home work in a way that doesn't disrupt things too much as well. And even just the other day, it came out that CERO, C-E-R-O, that's Japan's um, ratings board, they, due to the lockdowns in Japan that just started, they are shutting down for a complete full month, meaning no games can be reviewed in the next full month and rated in the next full month. So that's the whole bunch of games coming from Japan that are delayed at least a month on every platform. Which is weird because the ESRB, which does the same thing in America, says they are not impacted by work from home. And all these guys do in both regions is just watch DVDs of the most egregious content. So I don't know why Ciro can't, but ESRB can. But either way, that itself too is going to delay things. Like it's it's a whole weird slew of reasons that this is happening. But it's kind of weird because we may not have very many games this fall or winter or the consoles may launch You know, PS5 and Xbox Series X without – half the games they're supposed to have. It's very strange. Uh, yeah, that's... Think, thankfully, I got I got myself a little 120-hour JRPG to... <laughs> and we have Animal Crossing, over. which never ends. But, um, like, does this bother you? If, if there were, let's say, a disruption in game releases for three months, four months, like... The game world is so looking forward and looking ahead and talk about what's next, and our podcast kind of does the same because that's just the way the, indus- the, the fandoms move. But, like... Is it that bad if we have three months to just catch up with stuff or to go Definitely back and play not. with stuff? I feel everybody like can benefit from this. It's like not a single person that is hurt in any way. If anything, if you don't have any games to play, that just means that you have something you can now buy and play that you haven't gone around to getting, which is right. probably on sale now because you obviously like stopped playing it for a while. 
I don't know. I, I think it's just a nice time to catch up on literally everything. Yeah, I mean, it does I, a, I zero downsides right now. Yeah, no. Okay. Well, the only downsides for uh, employees of publishers who needed to hit bottom lines by these deadlines, but for the consumers, yes, there's not really any downside. I mean, we went back into Splatoon for that same reason. So, and now look at us, loving Splatoon again. And it, I should note, it's it's important to say that different companies will handle this differently. Um, so, like for example, Bethesda, they say they're not doing any sort of digital event in June because they don't know, you know, all their stuff is up in the air. They don't know what's going to happen. Yet simultaneously. IGN is organizing a week of coverage they're calling Summer of Gaming, and it will feature news of some sort from 2K, Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Amazon, Stadia, Devolver Digital, THQ Nordic, and oddly enough, Twitter. And from what I can tell, it sounds like it'll be their usual E3 coverage, so video interviews, demos, walkthroughs, just without E3. So it kind of has a hint of E3. There's like some light like game announcements maybe, but obviously on a much smaller scale, but it does show that like some publishers will try and at least keep people updated on what's going on, but there's a lot that also won't. Like some of the biggest people, Sony, Bethesda, are seeing it out, but then some of the other big people, Square, T- 2K, are still kind of all in. So it's a very strange time. It's very like who knows what it's even going to look like a month from now. Hmm. The uh, I think the real mystery is what Nintendo's going to do because so far – Luckily, nothing public-facing they've talked about has been affected. Like Xenoblade um, is already reviewed by Ciro, so that's not going to face any delay over in Japan, which means no delay here. But if you look at their lineup or really like just the Switch in general, we have no idea what's happening on that system after June. Like we know, thanks to the Direct Mini, that in May we're getting all those ports, Bioshock, uh, Borderlands. We know Burnout's not coming in June, like I was saying earlier. But beyond that, like... Nintendo's not delaying anything because they're just not announcing anything that then needs to be delayed. It's all just a black box. I mean, literally the only... Other Smash characters will get delayed. I still don't know why they didn't tell us who it was. That was annoying. What? I still don't... Oh, yeah, we don't. They didn't tell us who it was. They already said they picked everybody when they first made the announcement. I wouldn't be surprised if they changed some of their messaging and maybe reveal a little more about the upcoming fighters just to keep people, like, happy. Because, like, literally... Oh, they're just going based on the feedback now or what? Well, yeah, no. I mean, think about it. The Direct Mini... I mean, it would take like over a year to of... develop a character. No, I don't mean the feedback of which character to pick. I mean they might start telling things early to keep their news cycle going. Oh. Because right now, like, literally the only thing we know Nintendo's doing after June, like the only thing in the second half of 2020 that Nintendo's going to talk about is Lego Mario, which is only half theirs. But Lego did confirm this past week it's going to be launching on August 1st which is literally the farthest thing out we know about Nintendo at this point. We don't know anything else. But if you're curious, uh, so it's launching August 1st in three varieties. The starter kit, which comes with Interactive Mario himself, a Goomba and Bowser Jr., and a bunch of blocks to interact them with, you know, like the new ones that send that send him physically places, launch him and whatnot, and the virtual ones that you can scan with his color reader on his feet. Uh, that's going to be 60 bucks. And then there's two separate, which, I mean, say comparable to a video game, I guess. Reason. What? I expected it to be a little more expensive considering it's Lego. So did I. It's like the price of a standard game, which isn't horrible. But then there are two separate expansion packs, or as um, I think it was The Verge put it, IRL DLC for your IRL Mario. And these are where the pricing starts getting a little weird. So for 30 bucks, reasonable price, I you could argue, you get Piranha Plant Power Slide Expansion, which includes two Piranha Plants, a Koopa Troopa, and some new game pa- gameplay elements in the form of blocks. And then here's the kicker. For $100 is the Bowser's Castle boss battle expansion, which includes Bowser as well as his castle. Um, 
Makes and sense. if you pre-order, yeah, and if you pre-order any of these from the Lego online store, you will get a free mini expansion that's Monty Mole and a Super Mushroom for free. So the one I'm mostly wondering about, because like you're right, the, the $60 doesn't seem that bad for the starter. I thought it'd be higher, especially, I mean, when you think about your gang, the LED Mario, who it turns out now he has screens and stuff on his body, but interfaces with a uh, via Bluetooth with an app for your phone, a Lego Mario app that'll let you track your scores as you do different level designs so actually go back and see how you performed on each level as well as they claim providing uh instructions digitally so kind of like how labo lets you spin around a diagram to build labo you'll be able to do that with the lego sets and here's one that's interesting a safe forum to share ideas with friends which to me sounds like they might have some sort of custom level diagram sharing system which if that's the case is actually pretty awesome in and of itself but i don't really know what that means but either way all that for 60 bucks that's pretty good. The one I don't get is Bowser for $100. Because, like, it's a smaller set physically than the starter set. And as far as I'm aware, there's no technical wizardry there. Like, maybe Bowser has his own LEDs. Like, I don't really know. But that seems up there, doesn't it? The, Which one? That one the, the, Bowser. the Bowser. Well, the Kessel does. I mean, I guess that seems more normal Lego pricey, I guess. But. Not, which so means you, I'm not really happy with the price, I guess. Right. So would you spend a hundred? I mean, you're the Bowser fan of the of the group here. Are you no, because I was. I would just want to get just Bowser. I don't think they're gonna sell them that way. Well, then I guess I'm not getting it then. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much it. I don't really care well, enough about. Well, are you are you planning on just getting the base Mario, uh, the Lego Mario set? Oh, none of it. From. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't planning on getting any of it. Like, if I were to get something, it would be just the Bowser. I already have too many. This is no. Doesn't. There's no fiscal or reasonable reason in any other way. Like both fiscal, collecting wise, space wise, like yeah. getting it is just a bad decision in every form of that. <laughs> like I have no use for such it. Like, extreme like, wording. <laughs> it's like if I get that, it's like I might as well just get this other Godzilla figure that I want more. Like there's like justifications to get literally anything else but yeah i could barely justify it myself if they sold the led much like your bowser if they sold the led mario by himself just as a weird little thing like a chachi i would get it just to say oh look i have the little lego mario but i don't want the set i'm not gonna build the set i'm not gonna build the expansions like i just don't it's definitely a more kid-friendly lego than many doesn't mean it's kids only but like it's not like like i have a wally that you gifted me angel that i built i think it was you yeah it was you and um that was super cool building. It was very elaborate, but this one's like somewhere between Lego and Duplo. So, like, yeah, because I mean, if they actually made a Bowser's Castle set that was an actual Lego, like, not none of this interactive stuff, which is cool in its own right, but if they just gave us, like, like they did with the Disney Castle, the Simpsons House, but Bowser's mm-hmm. Castle, then I would probably get that. And that feels like, oh, I can actually justify the $100 for it, which is probably what it would cost. Because that's the typical price for these things, but right, yeah. Well, Ke- but something Kevin, like you, this you... that's, that's half and half now. Are you gonna buy it, Kevin? I have no space for it. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is I don't have physical space that I can think of. I mean, I, I literally the desk I'm sitting at right now to do this podcast. You know where I put my Labo piano after I built it under this desk? It's still sitting down there. It's just there by my feet. Like I don't know where I put it. <laughs> it's cool. It was fun to play with. It's fun to build, but I don't know what to do with it now. So that sounds sad. Right, right. Yeah, so it's kind of the same deal. But it is like 
in a way, yeah, the sixty bucks like for a Lego thing doesn't seem too bad. But um, but like I was saying, beyond even Lego Mario, like we literally have no idea on any official level what's coming down the pipe from Nintendo at all. No pun intended there. Um, but the, the the thing is, like, fandoms get antsy. If Nintendo isn't going to provide information, fans will find other means of information. And if those who cover Nintendo start leaning on sources of information that aren't Nintendo because they need clicks, that means we're going to start seeing huge rumors come out. And then the whole news cycle is going to get out of Nintendo's hands. It's going to be, you know, things getting leaked, things surprises that would have been cool maybe being presented too soon. Case in point... Uh, the day after our episode, our last episode dropped, it was revealed that later this year, courtesy of leaks, uh, Nintendo will be releasing what's internally being dubbed Super Mario All-Stars 2. Wait, so is this a leak or is it a rumor? This is, uh, well, it's a leak in the sense of it's not confirmed, but it's reported by four or five different sites, including... Oh yeah, that's right. Like, I mean, when I mean leak, it's like, it's essentially, all it needs is like the official announcement because it's pretty much no yes, way this fake. is a leak this is a leak so some stuff is not clear yet that's why it's not 100 percent locked in but the leak is nintendo's making what's eternally being dubbed mario all-stars 2 give you a new mario compilation for the 35th anniversary this year but focus on 3d games so that means mario 64 mario sunshine mario galaxy 1 and maybe 2 the rumor's not clear or sorry the leak's not clear and some capacity of a remaster of mario 3d world whether it's part of the collection or realistically a deluxe edition like new suit mario brothers u was um the the main conflict is whether the you know how mario world will be released 3d world will be released and whether the compilation will include Galaxy 1 and 2 or just Galaxy 1. But first like and foremost, it's, it's just Galaxy. Probably. So first and foremost, though, is the fact that the news came out like this. Like originally, Nintendo was hoping to reveal the games at a physical event during E3, celebrating Mario's 35th anniversary. They talk about new details about the theme park. They talk about the next Paper Mario game, which also, as part of these leaks, apparently that's coming. It's going to be a return to form to the old format. That's all we know. Awesome. But with um, – there you go. Surprise. But with E3 and physical events not happening anymore, they're now reassessing the approach, and that opened the door to these rumors and leaks and stuff. And as I just did to you right now at Paper Marks, I just realized you probably didn't know that until as I was saying it, which is why I then made the kind of a surprise afterwards. Um, Angel, I know you have thoughts on this, of how these things are coming out now. Would you like to get on your soapbox uh, for a moment? I, mean, I don't know. I, I think... In recent years, or I don't know, actually, no, in general, like I, I've just never liked rumors. I know rumors. Well, rumors I mean, are leaks. Rumors are leaks. We should do the same clarification that I guess just both. Did. Both, okay. Rumors or leaks. I mean, like people, you know, just conceptualizing or discussing wants and what they would hope for. Like, that's something else. But rumors and leaks, I feel, are just bad for the industry and just bad for gamers in general like i can't think of anything good that comes out of them except for the fact that someone gets to report on them which means you know they get to do their job because that's just yeah. what their job entails which yeah kind of sucks but because rumors and leaks set expectations doesn't matter whether they're i mean if they're low expectations great obviously but for the most part rumors and leaks always set really high expectations and that's never a good thing because even if like for example, like a recent The Smash Brothers, The Grinch Leak, I think is what it was called. Like, <laughs> yep, yep. like whether that one ended up being true or false, mm-hmm. like didn't even matter. The fact that this was like a quote-unquote rumor or leak already set everyone 
to have a bare minimum expectation like all right oh man all these characters would be cool like freaking banjo and blah 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 we're getting all these characters for those that believe it, for those that didn't believe it like i just kind of dismissed it but i still saw that roster i'm like oh that would be cool but i know this can't be true and sure yeah. enough when we got the final direct where they announced the rest of the characters and first they're like oh here's ken like oh my god it's just like in the leak and oh here's incineroar just like in the leak and they're like and that's all the characters so <laughs> right, right. so even if like i knew it was fake it was still kind of disappointing now i'm just like oh man now it feels like there should have been more characters announced i don't even care if there were the ones in that leak and if you yeah. did follow the leak and you believe the rumor you're obviously even more disappointed because you know that means none of those were in there they were in there eventually the dlc but it just sets unrealistic expectations you're going to be disappointed either because the game didn't do something that i never planned to do or because right. it yeah, pretty much that. Or and, and it was the thing that's it, and, and it just your... kind of sucks. And it also just like spoils surprises too, because now it's like, like yeah, banjo wasn't part of it, but I mean, uh, well, I'll use banjo even though like the example doesn't really work, at least in my case. Mm-hmm. But oh, okay, like Ryu being a street fighter, like a lot of people thought Ryu was a given, but like his reveal trailer, I thought was really cool. Like they pretty much kind of like all the reveal trailers they spoofed the intro to street fighter 2 like him in the black background the lightning he's bouncing up and down hadouken's mm-hmm. a screen but the day before like everything got leaked like his gameplay everything but oh that's right i remember that so because of that like even if i i, I didn't watch any of the videos but it was just spread around so hard that it was impossible to not even just see a tweet referencing the fact that he was in there even if i didn't actually see what he looked like so when he was actually relieved, re- I mean, revealed, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, there it is. And that's just yeah. like one of like the worst feelings for me, just because just getting that, I guess it's just, uh, it's just a formality at that point. It doesn't really feel like an announcement. It's like, all right, we know it's there. Just tell us already. It's already been spoiled. But Well, I do yeah, owe you apologies just fun killers. about the Paper Mario thing. Fun killers and <laughs> expectation messer uppers <laughs> yeah no to your to your point though about like people I mean, saying expectations too high because like they're part they, of it i mean this is what we have to deal with i know they're not going away and i just like i literally just have to deal with it but you know they just suck yeah no no to your to the your world would be that, better without them to your point about that um i'm done the fact <laughs> that no 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 okay yeah the fact that uh you know we do know mario 64 mario galaxy mario sunshine are in there for sure means all these questions and conversations are coming up around you know, like uh, Mario 64, for example, do they tweak it at all? Is it the exact same look as the old game? Is it slightly modernized because how you HDFI that without looking janky? People do, are going to be disappointed the... that they did it. Exactly. With it. You're going to be disappointed. Exactly. That, do they that add the DS remix? Extra like, oh, I playable characters? Do they yeah, not it's, it's add a lose, them? Lose. It's all lose-lose. Yeah. Lose. And even silly ones like just the other day with Mario 64, a leak – or not a leak. Uh, someone was digging through the code or something and found that the smoke effect in the game when you know when Mario's on fire is actually glitched out, and what that texture is supposed to be a lot smoother than it is. So does Nintendo like fix quote unquote that, or is the broken broken one um, the one now? And then they HDify that. Like there's always weird things that if they just showed the game, and I was like, oh cool, Mario 64 in HD. They like now there's gonna be all this speculation about which smoke are they using, and is it the <laughs> right smoke? <laughs> it's like what? Like some of them I get. Like if you know, even when the game is announced formally. If someone goes, oh, I really wish they added the three D, the uh, Mario sixty four DS extra playable characters and features. I wish that was there. 
that's a complaint they can make then. But if they make it now and then Nintendo confirms the complaint, it just gives them a second chance to complain. So it's yeah. not even like people might set their expectations too high. <laughs> Multiple ways of disappointment. <laughs> yeah, they could literally be like, oh, I already know they won't do it, but maybe they'll surprise me. And then when they don't, what was baseline is now lower. So it works yeah. the other way too. Or like Mario Galaxy, like of course I was talking about like, well, what's it mean in terms of the pointer controls? How you do motion controls on a dot, on a handheld switch? Like how you like you can't use the IR pointer. Like how you do the bubbles or the or the star bits or what have you. I mean, or in Galaxy Two, Yoshi's yeah. tongue, and I'm sure I mean, it'll be easy. The, to lo- the, the yeah. accelerometer and the and the controllers, I guess. Would- yeah, because they do imitate pointers in some games, and I guess I mean and you can use the right. You, you have stick, no control whatsoever of Mario or Yoshi in those segments, so I guess right. using the stick as a cursor, as annoying as that may be. Yeah, the only, the only ones that would jump out to me are <laughs> or it's just auto locked. They just automatically like if maybe it, yeah, or like maybe they then the question comes like or in the case of the star bits because you know you can point and grab them from far away. Uh, maybe they just move the star bits but then is that a remake at that point or is that a remaster is it now hmm. a remake like because it's different or like yoshi's tongue like you can just map that to the right stick I mean, isn't that kind of like song. metroid prime the trilogy like part one and two weren't on switch but when they brought them over to i mean on switch on wii on but when they brought wii. them over to the wii one and two were still exactly the same except they added pointer controls yeah so this would be and i guess made them hd well, th- that's kind of the opposite, though, because they're adding a easier. They're adding a new way. They're mapping the analog to something different. This one is they have to map motion to something that didn't have an input before. Like motion control is just one to one. Or maybe motion control is I guess it's kind of like if they could easily just make you touch it, that would actually yeah, kind of like, work. It, yeah, I mean, and they could just yeah, it should be fine. But and see, I'm going like, to be these, shocked if they don't. <laughs> see, that's my point. Like these sorts of questions, like it's kind of fun to speculate now that we know. Like, I like doing this sort of speculative thing, but I'd rather, in many ways, just have them say, this is how it works now, and be like, cool. Because now, even in the context of the podcast, we're talking about now, but when the game comes out, hey guys, so what are your thoughts on them not making the star bits automatically float to you? Like, (laughs) that would, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not a big thing, but becomes the thing, because we spent so long talking about what it could be. Um, It's weird. But that said... I am very excited about this being a thing in general. Yeah. Like I'm particularly excited exciting. that Sunshine is getting its due finally. It's always been like the weird, ugly duckling, but I've been wanting to go back and play it sometime. I thought the flood mechanic was really cool back in the day. Oh, it was a nice fair. twist. So, yeah, like I'm really – that's the one in the compilation I think I'm most excited for. I don't know about you guys, but uh, – It's probably not my, my – the most I'm excited for. I love Sunshine, but uh, Gal- Galaxy is so perfect. It is very good. I'm I'm excited to play uh, Galaxy again. I think, for me, part of the reason I like I'm more interested in Sunshine than Galaxy is simply because um, I have played Galaxy more recently. Like Sunshine, I haven't touched since you know I was 14, 15, 16, something like that. Galaxy, I was at least in the same 15 year window I'm in now. So so it's a little closer to reality. But um, but no, Galaxy is probably the hands down the better game of the two. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm really excited about a, a brand new Paper Mario game. As, as you said, no surprise there. Uh, yeah, I love Thousand Year Door. I'm just very it, happy they're supposedly moving back to the regular format. Yes, and and you know what? I didn't have a I didn't have an issue with uh, Super Paper Mario. Oh, that, I like Super Paper Mario. It was yeah. Sticker Star and Color Splash that went a little too heavy in the stickery yeah, adjustment and then, uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. It those, still had, like, are... the length and, like, lore that Thousand Year Door had. It was just different gameplay mechanics. The other ones, yeah. Sticker Stars, I feel just, like, 
stripped away a ton to get mm-hmm. at what they wanted to do. Yeah, and it was more like casual friendly, which didn't make sense because it wasn't built as a casual game, but it it was a more casual friendly take on Mar- on uh, Paper Mario, at least in my mm-hmm. opinion. But um, yeah, supposedly this one's gonna be kind of like in the spirit of Thousand Year Door, so that that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and so see I'm that and that type of rumor is a little better at least <laughs> than the yeah. Mario compilation because they didn't spill everything; they just said, "Hey, keep an eye out, Paper Mario is coming." It'd be cool if it was a surprise. I still prefer a surprise, but at least that one's vague enough. That's not going to, you know, we know everything about the <laughs> it is, but, basically. But even then, I'm sure like there's someone that's going to be like, well, now I know it's a Paper Mario game. I'm going to be even more disappointed if it's not like a successor to Thousand Your Door, even though they say it is, but then it's somehow just like, I don't know, Cutter Splash 2.0, which well, what's gonna be was really... better received. I mean, I will give what it that. Is... Sorry, Cutter Splash did a way better job at the paper theming than Thousand oh Year yeah Color Splash was so good at that it looked great like Paper Mario in HD was like the thing I never knew I needed like it's it, everything they do with it <laughs> it literally sounds like you're talking about a drug yeah it, it, it is a drug no but seriously it was so like like the way they turned the paper effects into more 3D space based things was really cool hmm um but yeah, in terms of your point, like someone's still gonna be like, "Oh, this is what I wanted." Like, I, it just occurred to me. The annoying thing about this is people take these leaks and rumors as gospel. So when they do come true, they're like, "Nintendo already told us that. We already knew that." Nintendo, where's the surprises? That's the one I think that bothers me the most personally. Like, I don't mind speculating about stuff and then having maybe a little letdown when it's not quite what I thought it was because I know going in, it's my pipe dream, it's speculation. The one that bothers me is when Nintendo gets faulted for <laughs> leaks coming out as if they already know. See, And that's what it. sucks. That's, that's like, it creates like a toxic culture. Which yeah, it does. It definitely point. does. Um, yeah, but it's unfortunate because like, mm-hmm. as the news cycle continues to be all wonky and weird right now, it's likely that more and more of these conversations we're having right now about like stuff that's happening because it got leaked is probably going to become more of a thing because these publications, even on some level, us as a podcast, we're filling the time with the latest news. And the latest news is what the sources are now leaking because Nintendo's not saying it. So it's a weird... It's it's weird. Like the fan base latches on, has to latch on to something. Basically, they're not just all gonna go dormant. So when there's not official stuff to eat at, they you know to chew on, they're they're gonna um, complain that there's no directs. And when they complain there's no directs, they start looking more at rumors and leaks. And then some leakers see an opportunity, and then they leak real information, like the Mario collection, supposedly. And here we are. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a weird catch twenty two we're kind of in. What a world. We'll see. Well, they, so yeah, there's we'll no see. there's no projected date for this anymore, right? Uh, for the collection, I think they are aiming for this year, but who knows? For the for the direct. Oh no, the direct. Well, the mini was probably. I my theory is the mini was going to be the real direct, like a full direct, and they scaled it back when they realized they don't know any release dates of anything past the immediate future. So basically, everything from June on until like uh, and just kind of pulled it out of the direct and turned it into a mini. That's my guess. Because the last thing Nintendo needs is stories about them delaying every single game they announced, so they could just okay, not announce no, them. Okay, but, no, but, but what I'm saying is there's yeah. no projected date oh, for these oh. announcements like there was before, right? Because no. that was part of the rumor that, that this was coming yes, out for Yes, it's going to be E3. Now, the then, theory is when E3 said they were organizing a digital event that Ninten- and that you know, a lot of exhibitors were on board, everyone's like, oh, of course, Nintendo, they're already digital. If if E three is not organizing that, that gives Nintendo flexibility for better or worse. So it could be May, it could be July, it could be next 
year who knows right and it's it's kind of a weird last note for this episode like as honest as it all sounds it is kind of where our episode ends just because like there's literally like well it's nice to end on such a cool idea of a remake and the fact that you know there's some fun and pipe dreams of what we want <laughs> yeah to be. a lot of people are going to be unhappy at the end of the day yeah and like the vagueness of the news cycle is certainly a weird found out to be like yeah like you know more collections could be awesome when's it coming out who knows what else are they making who knows are they even going to tell us anything ever again or are we all going to be dead who knows so yeah <laughs> but uh on the flip side though next episode should be kind of fun because uh, we're going to continue to look at you know we're going to be talking about games new and old that we've been discovering and rediscovering but also we get to look at the positive impact that the current situation is having within the gaming world uh you know things like how like Switch is continuing to sell like crazy. We'll have MPD numbers for March. We'll have whatever news there does end up being. I'm sure there's going to be some smaller announcements. Indies probably have some little projects that they can work on at home and can, you know, release like really small stuff, like kind of like WayForward did a couple weeks ago on uh, April Fool's Day. They just out of nowhere brought a PC port of a game with the craziest name in the world. It's like something cat and keep off my salad or some weird thing like oh, that. Yeah. Like, it's like weird a game like they. That. Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, like an April Fool's joke from a long time ago that I guess came real. Yeah, yeah. which is so. Like, we're gonna still. I think, like, as far as like uh, where this goes as a show, <laughs> I think we're still got some cool stuff to talk about, and there's still like the bigger movement, move, movers and shakers of the industry doing some stuff. But it's definitely not business as usual. So it's gonna be kind of strange. But hopefully, folks stick around for the ride. I mean, we'll be back April 26th with who knows what, but it should it should be fun for sure, for sure. Yeah, um, but unless there's any other things you guys want to bring up on this episode, I think we just about covered it all. Like literally all of it. Ooh, like there's like no other news. Ones for some reason. <laughs> what? It's one of our longer ones somehow. Yeah, I think it was all the game talk. We talked about like six games that we've been playing, which again is like triple what we normally do. It's just a lot yeah, of gameplay. But see. yeah, so I guess on that note, I guess the only thing left to do is the usual end of show business to get to, which is make sure – that you don't miss our next episode on April 26th by uh, subscribing to us on all the podcast apps. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify. On YouTube, we are RandomNintendo.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, at RamNintendo, or individually. I'm JSR7. Kevin's KVN Gomez, and Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And, uh, yeah, that just about does it. it should be. It's going to be an interesting few months as as people that cover game news and releases so so if nothing else it's gonna be a wild time but uh, as always kevin you get the final word uh wash your hands and wear your mask people